episode 83 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary with Catherine and Kristen, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Kristen. So, uh, it is our Would You Rather this week, and it is... Would you rather have your best friend or your mom pick <laughs> what you read for an entire year? And we picked this because it's super easy. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. 100%. I don't what? know about you. <laughs> don't you? I do. I do know about you. And I do know about your mother. Hmm. Hey, Rhonda. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, if my mom were to pick books for me for a year, I they would be hella Catholic. Like, it would be, <laughs> I just, I don't, there's nothing, I like, that's it. It would just be <laughs> like, I, I think it would be the Bible. It wouldn't even be in like, I don't know, it wouldn't even be like in a, this is your sins kind of way, but it would be like a, what other books are there? I, obviously, I would have to choose Best Friend because we read the same books anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like and literally, sorry, wait, but <laughs> literally I went on vacation like a week ago and had to message you constantly about the new book that I was reading that we're going to be reading for next month but we've also both finished and now are going to read so I I messaged you constantly about it like and I there were many times I didn't even had have cell service because I was like literally on islands and shit and I was just <laughs> messaging you and by islands I mean like in the not Atlantic tropical. Ocean like not yeah, tropical, not tropical like, ones off Nova Scotia <laughs> But yeah, I was literally messaging you constantly about them. Yeah, but I loved it. Oh, of course. And I was here for it. it. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously I would have to go with, like, you're going to have to pick up my books. Yeah, but like, also, I wonder, like, okay, so if we're talking best, and I, I'm adding a caveat, like we always do. Like, so are we, <laughs> we love saying- caveats. <laughs> Are we saying that I have to pick your books and, like, can I keep you in mind picking your books? Because, like, you're a little bit more adventurous than I am in terms of books. So, like, would I be able to, like, go to the bookstore and be like, huh, I think Catherine would like this and but bring it to you? It, or, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because you're going to still, if you pick what you like, you're still more adventurous than my mother. So it doesn't matter. You can pick. I will read the same books that you want to read for a full year <laughs> instead. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I would say the same thing. My mom obviously would not get me the Bible, though. Like, yeah. my mom would try, but I think my mom would go for, like, what's the same? She would, like, go to someone and say, my daughter likes Harry Potter and Nora Roberts. Because that's what she, like, knows from but childhood that I, get you. that that I like. like that might get you something good. It that, might. Like, 
That might get you something that we don't even know about. Maybe. What's a Harry Potter Nora Roberts mix? (laughs) Somebody please send us a message. Do you know what I think it would be? I think it'd be the X-Hex. I think if you went to a bookstore and said, what's a Nora Roberts Harry Potter crossover? I think you would get the X-Hex. You're right. Yeah. Tell you. Listen to our episode from one year episodes from one year ago now. October of 2022. Yes, we did the X Hex by Aaron Sterling, and it was great. It was, yeah. I really, I had a great time. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. So, but yeah, I think that's what my mom's frame of reference is for yeah. my like. But at the same time, nobody in my family, nobody that I know, besides you, mm-hmm. would, and one friend, uh, one other friend, has ever dared buy books for me, like ever. Because, like, everybody's afraid of, like, what I've already read. And rightfully oh, so. for sure. Like, there's so much. Anyway. I, guess I would we... still, I would still rather be you. Yeah. Of course. Well, like, I think that, okay, so if it was my mom, I would just get, like, Harry Potter slash Nora Roberts crossovers. Yeah. Which might not be terrible. No. Or, like, she would just, like, go into the teen fiction section and be, like, closing her eyes and just point and pick or something like that. I wish, like, teen fiction, sometimes that's Akatar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is in teen for some reason. Akatar. Um, and, like, Lee Bardugo is in there. Like, there's some good shit in there. Yeah. I just feel like she wouldn't pick the good stuff. But no, not on purpose. Um, my sister, I think I might have better luck with, because at least she knows, like, the type of stuff we read. Yeah. But I also think she might try and push me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And, like, try and give me stuff to be like, look, this is a good book, you should read it. And I'll be like, no! And smack it away. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. But, anyway, we both knew what the answer to this would be. 100%. And, like, I think my sister would be better than my mother as well but my sister would also give me like she more reads like biographies and like Mm -hmm. that kind of shit and which like sometimes I enjoy myself a good biography like I read the Jenna McCurdy one yes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no but like I've read that one and I like really appreciated it and there's other ones like I read Crying in H Mart um and that one was popular for a bit and it 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 was a good read about like grief and like how hard losing somebody is like that kind of shit Mm -hmm. like I've read a few real books but like they also just get too emotional for me where I'm like, I need fantasy. Like, yeah. I need fantasy. I need romance. I want all of the, all of that. That is what I want. Yeah. I think the last biography I read was literally Drew Barrymore's when she published hers. I have never read it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's very, like, it's not a cohesive, which, again, like, I guess this comes from reading, like, fiction, where you get, like, a cohesive story, right? Like, you get a beginning, middle, and end, but hers is more, like, um, 
an amalgamation of like short stories is like here's yeah. this thing that happened in my life and here's a chapter on it and here's something else that happened in my life and a chapter on it but like it's not in like chronological order and it doesn't really flow as one big novel like it's just a bunch of little stories which i guess is the point of a biography like well yeah some of them i i guess it's hard because like i i don't read enough of them to know what i want from them i guess but yeah Anyway, if any of our families are listening, (laughs) hi, Heather, (laughs) don't buy us books. Well, if you do buy us books, ask the other person first. (laughs) Yeah. We'll know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hi, Heather. (laughs) We love you. We do. Uh, So we're going to get into it now because we don't want to spend any more time on this when we have a million things to get to because we were like this is so fast let's not spend time on it and here we are yeah (laughs) so just a heads up this is not a spoiler free zone and things might get saucy so we are on our last week with air of fire this is when it turns this book is when the story becomes and I'm super excited. I don't, we don't, obviously we don't know when we're going to do Queen of Shadows uh, yet, but we are definitely doing Queen of Shadows and I'm super stoked because that one is my favorite. Yeah. It, it, I don't think it's going to be super soon for anybody that's like worried about it. Cause like, if you're only here for Throne of Glass series, you're, you're, you're going to be waiting a little bit. We got a few we got a few books in the pipe that we got to tackle first. Yeah, and like Crescent City, the newer one coming out soon. Like we got to get some shit done before that. And like mm-hmm. if you've read Crescent City 2, you understand what shit we got to get done before that. So we'll get there. We will we'll get, get there. there. But it's going to take it's going to take some time. <laughs> yeah. But I'm super excited for when it does. Anyway, so last week with Air of Fire, we are reading chapters 54 to 68. Uh, So last week, just a quick recap. um, Manon and Abraxas uh, jump off the ledge to make the crossing. We don't know if they've made it yet. Um, Dorian and Sorsha have gotten super close and like are having... She's sleeping over all the time. She wants them to take their relationship out of the shadows, but he's like, nah, girl, slow your roll. (laughs) Dorian and Kaol have had words where Dorian tries to make Kaol a better person and it doesn't work. Uh, (laughs) uh, Kaol and Adian have had words uh, where Kaol thinks Adian's a terrible human, but Adian's like, nah, girl, like, you're the terrible human (laughs) yeah uh and dovier and calicula have been i don't even know what to say executed purged yeah of life fuck yeah it's pretty darn bad uh and selena and rowan have developed a closer bond as selena has gotten uh better control of her magic and they are in the process of being attacked by 
a bunch of Adderlanian soldiers, and three Valg princes. And they are essentially like demons inhabiting human bodies. Mm. And last week, they like swarmed her. She sort of like gave up her magic, like went out. She was so weak and tired that she like hit rock bottom. They swarmed her and they are essentially making her relive her worst nightmares over and over and over again. Uh, And uh, the very last thing that we uh, read last week was that they reached the bottom of the seemingly endless abyss that is her soul. They don't actually explicitly say it's her soul, I'm assuming. Yeah. Also, I guess Rowan's cadre have arrived. Yeah. Yes, the cadre came, took one look at Selena, and was like, nah, we don't need to help you, and then left. We're <laughs> like, nah, bruh. So, our very first scene in this section is a flashback uh, to the time when Selena is actually watching the King of Adderlin and Prince Dorian visit Terrasin for the first time. And more specifically, they're visiting the city of Orinth. Uh, and Selena is watching the whole procession approach the castle from a balcony. And even at the age of eight, because again, this happens around the time that, um, that you know, like Adderlin takes over, like it's only a few days uh, earlier. Um, so even at the age of eight, she can really tell that the castle is tense. So she can tell that this visit is important and that people are tense and ill at ease. And she says that, like, everybody seems quiet and distracted, like even her parents. Yeah. So she has to wear a crown to the, like, the, I guess, the formal introduction. And even Adian is wearing a crown and clean clothes. Cute. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Lady Marion is Selena's nursemaid and actually the mother to Elide. And we've heard the name Elide a few times in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, I guess, a similar age to Selena, a bit quiet, um, but not currently at court. So. But her father is the Lord of a land. Yes. The so. Lord of um, Perrin. Sure. Yeah. He's the Lord of Perrin, which is like a province in uh, Terrasin. So uh, Lady Marion comes to get them, uh, comes to get Adian and Aelin, and directs them to their throne on the dais. So uh, Aelin has like a cute little throne next to her father. And Adian just sits sort of on the side of her throne. Mm-hmm. So here's what I wonder. So she's the princess. Is she the heir or is her father the heir first? That's a good question. I Because like it's her uncle that is the king right now or her yes. great uncle. Yeah. Right? Which so is like, not... Yeah, this is why, like, once we started getting into the lineage, I was like, my brain can't take this. Because I was like, it's her uncle, but her cousin is not related to her uncle. So, like, Adian, like, Adian must be on 
the mother's side. Yeah, and the royal lineage is on her father's side. But he is still a prince. So it must... Why Why can't he be the king? But could it be because... So, like, are Adian's mother and her father brother and sister? So sort of like the royal family... I'm going, like, straight to the UK right now. But, like, so, like, Prince William... So, like, there's King Charles as the king... Yes. So then Prince William is the next in line for the throne. If sure. he dies, it's any of his children, right? Charlotte first and then um, the other two. Right? Okay. Prince Harry is William's brother, but the children come before Harry. So is it like that? Like, so the uncle is, the great uncle is the king. He has no children, and all of his siblings are dead. Therefore, the next in line to the throne would be Aelin's dad. Mm-hmm. Then, because he has a child, and he's the heir, she would be next in line. And then, after her, would technically be Adian's mother, if she was alive. Okay, but... Right? But, I, I get what you're saying. However, I also... Honestly, didn't realize how complicated it was until this read. Because I was yes. like, I was like, oh, it was I, like the first time and second time and third and fourth. Every time before now that I read this book, I thought that when her parents died, they were like, I thought that they were the king and queen. I, I now. Oh, I just didn't really realize. I was like, oh, they must be. Because that's yeah. the only thing that makes sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, it's her fucking uncle is the king. Yes. Cool. Got it. Understand. But my issue is, if it were the case that Adian is somehow in this line of becoming ruler... Then no one can be pissed at Aelin for what she does as they are in the next books. Because people are fucking pissed at her mm-hmm. for how she's lived her life. Like, if if he thought that she was dead and he was the heir, the way that he has lived, and I'm not saying that he, like, did anything wrong, obviously, but if he was actually able to be... Like, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he could take the throne. Like, cause I think he would have, I think he would have fought and taken the throne. Like, I, I don't think he would have submitted to the king if he could actually take the throne. You know that's what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. No, I just, I have, I don't understand. I don't understand the lineage. Yeah. I know no. it's like probably a quick Google, but it's not cause my brain cannot process <laughs> Yeah, there goes my theory. It's gone. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. Because nobody else has taken the throne. No. I just don't, like, her uncle died. I just, I, honestly. Yeah. I don't, I, I actually thought that the uncle was, like, brother to her mother. Which is even further off than makes any sense. Yes. Yeah, no. Nothing just, makes sense. Nothing makes sense. 
It's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. We'll figure it out for a future book. This is not the book that we're worried about how her lineage makes sense. No. Uh, So yeah, moving on. Yeah. So they're sitting in the throne room. Uh, The king of Adderlin comes in and she immediately gets a bad, bad vibe from him. She like says that she hates him because he doesn't smile and he literally stares at her so hard. Her father says something. And is like, is there a reason why you're staring at my daughter so hard? Like, which you're creepo? like, you should know better, sir. Like, yeah. <sighs> like creepo. Uh, and she also says that like he completely ignores his own son, which I love that we're meeting Dorian in the scene, and she's thinking about Dorian, mm. and like, I hope Dorian remembers the scene, like. I I love this background for them. Mm-hmm. I do. And not in a romantic way at all, because I do not think of them romantically together. No. In any way. But I love that they've met each other, and he's like, oh. Like, yeah. He can think back on this and think of who... Yeah. Yeah. Um, love it. Anyway, so they have a big feast. For the King of Adderlin and, like, all of his his posse. Um, and Aelin obviously has to sit with the children. So, like, chil- Aelin, Adian, and Dorian sort of sit at the end. And she sees Dorian eating and she tells him that he eats like a fine lady. Because, I guess, he is very princely and very proper and she is not at all. Yeah. And it's... It's sad because, like, as an adult reading between the lines, you're like, if he doesn't act like this, his father will beat him. Yeah. Like, you know, reading it, that he gets beaten by his father if he doesn't act well. And she's like, this is weird. Why are you acting like that? And he's like, I have to. But he doesn't realize that it's weird. So it's like a whole... It's so, it's so shitty, but it's a thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she feels like a pounding in her head, but she ends up dismissing it. And she actually offers to be Dorian's friend, but he tells her he already has a friend. The future Lord of Aniel and the fiercest warrior in the land, a.k.a. Kale. Blech. Fiercest warrior at the age of like 10. Also, not true, sir. In the next nine years, ten years, what has he done? What has he done? What has he done? No longer the future Lord of NEL. Well, well, I currently guess he is. Yeah, yeah, He's but that's back. the only thing he is. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, then she feels like a stabbing pain in her head, like so much that she feels black spots. And it sort of pauses, and she starts to feel better, and then it happens again. And she says she feels like something is trying to get in. Like, I know she's only eight, so she doesn't know, but I feel like, like, come on, parents, figure shit out. I know, it's so bad. It's so bad. So she tries to have some water to try and make herself feel better. But her magic is, like, churning in her gut. So she stands up 
And she's like wobbling. She can't keep her balance. So she goes to her mother, obviously, to try and get feel better. And her mom notices that like she's burning up with fever and she feels the magic surging and burning so much so that she actually singes her mother's dress. And she says that she feels like a worm of darkness in her mind and she's throbbing and her magic is like acting of its own accord without like she can't control it. And she's asking her family, like, to get it out. And she's starting to, like, yell, like, get it out! And, like, she feels the worm in her mind and she feels like it won't let go. So she ends up lighting herself on fire with her turquoise flame. Her magic, obviously, trying to get the worm out of her head. But, like, she's at a dinner party full of people. And it's a fire. So, like, everybody is fleeing the feast. And, like, she starts to burn hotter and hotter. So her mother essentially uses her water magic to douse the flames. And she, like, encases Aelin in water. And, like, shoves it everywhere she can. In her eyes, up her nose, down her throat. Like, she's essentially drowning her. Until yeah, she so, passes out so that the magic will stop. Yeah. It's it's very reminiscent of last week when Rowan had to... Like, dump her in a bath. Yeah. Except he dumps her in a bath. He doesn't shove water no, down her throat. He did, he did like, take the air away from her well, yes, beforehand yeah. to, like, make her pass out so that she gave up the fire. Yeah. So it's like, I get it. And I get, obviously, why she had to do it. It's just so shitty. It's so shitty. I, like, so I have a love-hate relationship with this scene, and I'm really kind of, like, not sad that I have to do the notes for it, but I was still, like, it just makes me vomit. Like, not actually vomit, but I've noticed since I had kids... Anything to do with sort of child endangerment or, like, mistreatment or, like, a child feeling anything upsetting Mm. really, like, makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. So, like, reading this whole scene, I'm, like, in a constant state of, like, queasiness because it's just so awful and gross and I hate it. Yeah. But, like, I, I, it's so shitty. What are you supposed to do? That's... That's the issue, is, like, what is the answer? Did her parents do the right or wrong thing? She went to her mother because she knew she had the water magic that could, like, But, like, her. to me, she went to her mother because she's a small child and she was sick. And, like, what gives you comfort? Your mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Ugh. And it, it doesn't stop here. No. It's shitty, but it's also like if if that is no longer the thing that gives her comfort, then that's probably better for her mm. going forward. If she like if that was the thing that she went to her mother and then she was like, "Oh shit, this is no longer good," that's probably worked better for her in the long run because fuck yeah. Uh, anyway, so the whole family thinks that Maeve was behind this attack and like Maeve mm-hmm. somehow coordinated her uncontro- her to lose control of her magic to 
sort of put a wedge between Adderlin and Terrison because according to everyone at the time, Adderlin already wasn't a fan of magic and they were already mis they didn't trust magic. So like in their mind, oh, it was totally Maeve because she was trying to uh make Adeline not trust them. Yeah. So two days later, her parents take her to their manor house. And they say it's for her to rest and settle. But she knows, even at eight, that it's to keep everyone else safe. Because she's dangerous. Which is just heartbreaking. Um, so Adian stayed in Orinth. And Lady Marion did come with them because she is her, like, her nursemaid. Uh, but her husband and Elid stayed behind and she feel, she felt at the time like a monster that had to be contained and monitored and like, they sort of treat her like that. So Lady Marion, like to pass the time, tells her stories. She told her the story of how she was a laundress in the palace at Paranth until, um, until Aelin's mom, Evelyn, met her and became friends with her and made her her lady-in-waiting. And this made the Lord of Paranth meet her and fall in love with her, and then they got married. So, like, she's coming from humble beginnings, this Lady Marion. Yeah. Um, so one night, Aelin couldn't sleep, and her mother came to her room and gave her the amulet of Orinth. And she said that it had been passed down in the family for generations, and it was the heirloom prized above all else. And apparently there was a symbol of the Terrison stag on it. And words engraved in a language that no one remembers. Hmm. What I wonder, could that be? Yes, I wonder what language that is. Hmm. Maybe we'll never find out. So her mother tells her never to take the amulet off and never lose it and know that when she wears it, she is loved. Which is beautiful. Like, I know. And it's not to spoil it, but like, this is what you hope your last words to someone are. Yeah. So, well, this is it. So she, obviously, she lost it the next night because the next night is the night her parents died. Uh, so we have a little tiny break where, uh, a, like, Selena in the present is, like, begging the Valg princes to end her suffering. Um, but she's trying her best to, like, voice it out, but she can't speak. She's in so much pain and agony and reliving the horrors that she can't speak even though she really wants them to kill her so the next night that's the night her parents died and i don't really want to go too much into it because again like it makes me want to like vomit but lady marion is the one who found her in her parents bed covered in blood yeah And she was terrified, but she bathed her, she cuddled her, and she protected her. And she, like, ordered people, like, go alert the king. Like, you know, she was took charge, we'll say. Yeah, she was badass. Yeah. And when the assassins came to the house to kill Aelin, I guess, Lady Marion snuck her out of the house and made her run to the river and find a place to hide 
while she stuck up for her and like gave her as much time as possible to run. So essentially she sacrificed herself for Aelin and she, the last thing she said to Aelin before she made Aelin run was to tell Elid, tell Elid that she loved her mother loves her. And Aelin managed, she runs so far and then she looks back and she had to watch Lady Marion stand up for her. And she tried to attack the visitor and yell at him until he pushed her. And she just hit a table and her neck snapped. So a cup, I think it was, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but she mentions that there was someone else. Yeah. That she didn't want to face. Like there was someone else that helped her. And I, you know, it was Lady Marion. Yeah. So as a child, she ran and ran towards the river. She was hoping to get to a bridge uh, and she could feel the person chasing her. I think they were on a horse, like, uh, and they were closing in on her and almost caught her. And she made it to the bridge, but it had been cut. Like, they thought ahead and cut it. And she didn't realize it until she, like, flung herself in between the two posts. And she just fell into the river. And she said that the moment that Lady Marion sacrificed herself for Aelin and for her kingdom, that's the moment that broke Aelin the most. And, like, I just, I hate this. I hate it. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate it, but I hate it. No. Like, it still does make me sick to, like, think about because I automatically picture my kids. Like, one of them is eight years old. So, like, I imagine her witnessing that and trying to, like, run and how petrified she would be. And I just, it, it, it makes my heart break. So. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, Arabin found her and said that he had taken, so she thinks that he had taken her fear and her guilt And twisted it into hate, but the fact that she took Lady Marion's sacrifice and became a monster. Like, I mean, she became an assassin, but in her mind, it's the same thing. And that's why she can't go home. Because somebody sacrificed themselves for her so that Terrison would have a future. And what has she done with it? Like, nothing. So she says that she feels so guilty because so many of her people were executed, including Lord Locken, who is Lady Marion's husband, and so many children that she should have protected, but she didn't. Like, she failed. And it's like, how would you have protect them at eight years old? Yeah. Like, she's... Same thing with 80 and we're like, there's nothing you can do. So hard. Nothing any of them can do. No. Anyway, so uh, this is why she says she took Nehemia's death so hard. And, and what? She couldn't tell anyone. The fact that Nehemia sacrificed herself and it was worthless. Essentially because Aelin feels worthless. So... The Valg princes just 
jump from memory to memory and they're just making her relive all of her most challenging moments and all of her guilt and all of her grief and she just wants them to end it to like take her back to Adderlin and just throw her at the king's feet if that's their plan but so we gotta keep in mind that like it's like a dream and a dream and a dream because physically she is standing on the battlefield still but then her mind is in this abyss and then in her mind in the mind of her mind she's reliving all these moments over and over again so uh in her mind the first one in the abyss she feels a small hand touch her cheek and she looks up and it is Aelin. So it's herself uh, as she was as a, chi- as a child. Mm. Essentially telling her to get up because her getting up is a promise for a better life because she can't and she's saying she couldn't because she had wasted everybody's sacrifice. And then one by one, Sam, Nehemia, her parents, her uncle, Lady Marion, all appear telling her to get up. The Valg princes then twist this vision so the people she loved are saying terrible things. You're a disappointment. You're everything I hate about the world. Better you die than shame us and betray us. You're a thief, a murderer, a liar, a coward. And she now knows that the king of Adderland, like she realizes that he's the one that put the worm in her head to separate the family and make them easier to take out. And she's thinking that she blamed herself this entire time, but it was the king's fault. Which I don't get because in earlier in like in the flashback they say that they thought it was Maeve's fault yeah so like well her parents thought because her parents didn't so in the flashback she was listening to her parents talk about it and her parents were like it must be Maeve because they didn't realize that the king of Otterlin had because at this point he's taken into his body yes but so I, he's the one. Yeah, I guess I just don't understand, like, if she heard her parents say, oh, it must have been Maeve, I don't understand why she would still think it was her. You know what I mean? Like, she heard them say it was Maeve. Why wouldn't she think it was Maeve? Uh, I guess because she was eight. Maybe. At eight, you're like, everything is my fault. Hmm. At fucking 13, you're like, everything is my fault. Like... <laughs> There's no, yeah, there's no getting out of it. So, she obviously realizes that she loved her, she loves her family, even if they hate her, and realizing and manifesting that love causes them to fade from the illusion, and all of a sudden she feels solid ground beneath her. It's grass and moss, and she sees that it's Terracin. She sees the mountains and the forest and the city of Orinth, and she's thinking that this was once her home, and it would be again. 
And she decides then and there that she is going to fill the world with the light of her city and with her gift. And anyone broken or lost would find it. And she knows that it's going to take a lot of light to drive out the darkness. And she's not afraid. She decides to remake the world for those that she loved so that when she meets them in the afterlife, she would not be ashamed. And she would not abandon the people that have survived because she was her queen. She was their queen. So this is her like realization moment that she's queen and she needs to step up and take that responsibility and and just do the right thing and and take ownership of that. So child Aelin tells her to get up once more and she grabs her hand and adult Aelin does get up. So we move now to Rowan's POV. So he obviously sees, um, I guess, Aelin. I'm calling her Aelin now because I feel like her taking a step towards her queendom yeah. is sort of her step away from her Selena persona and towards Aelin Ashriver Galathinius, queen of Terracin. <laughs> so uh, obviously she had that barrier of fire up and Rowan sees the barrier fall, but the darkness does not advance on the fortress. Obviously, they're all too busy feeding and playing with Aelin. And he is being held by his two buddies, Gabriel and Lorcan. They're trying to, like, he initially was trying to run to her, and they were like, dude, no, you're gonna die. Like, stay here. So they're holding yeah. him. So he's trying to throw his magic at the darkness to free Aelin, but his wind does absolutely nothing. Uh, and he heard Lyria's voice in the darkness. So we know that like the darkness like manifests your greatest like fears and regrets and, and guilts. So obviously his is his mate, Lyria's, because he left her and then she was killed. While she was pregnant with his her child. Yeah. So so he hears her voice in the darkness. So obviously that's where they're going with him. But he also knew that Aelin had to still be alive. Because after weeks of training, they had breathed in each other's scents and became bonded. So like he knew she was alive, but also could tell she was being tormented. And a part of me is like, really? This is this is what this is what this is. You breathe. You got used to each other's smell, so now you're bonded. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, man. Like, whatever helps you get through the day. Mm. But also, like, just the absolute whiplash I have from him hating her guts to him being like, she can die, is painful. Get it. Uh, so he wants his friends to let him go, and they refuse, but soon they feel this, like, behemoth of power rising from the deep. And he knows, Rowan knows, that burnouts came from self-imposed fears, and the creatures were feeding on Aelin's fears, 
But he's thinking, what if the victim walked through the fears and embraced them? And obviously that's what she did. And he sees her fire erupt from the darkness. And it's glorious. Uh, The fire reaches them, but it doesn't burn them. It's amazing. Um. And he sees Aelin standing there, and she is engulfed in flame with a mark on her forehead. So she grabs two creatures, two of the creatures on the mouths, and just shoves her flame down their throats, and they just are burned to death. And big fan. Yeah, a big fan. I don't know what happens to the last... Uh, I think it happens soon. So Rowan then runs to her, and she sees him. And he actually notices, like, oh shit, she's close to real burnout. Because the last time she thought she was close to burnout with the fires, the bonfires, um, that you talked about, mm-hmm. he was like, that wasn't anywhere close to burnout. Like, that was just you. So now, though, he can see legit burnout is coming for her. And he sees that she's exhausted. And, like, of course she is. She just had, like, a bunch of her worst memories of life ever re- like shoved in her brain and made her like relive them over and over. Like it's not pleasant. Uh, so he can see that the other creature and Narok are like bracing. They're going to attack her. And he knows that his magic is obviously no good in this situation. Like his little wind is not going to make a dent. But there is something else that he can do to help her. So he slices his palm open and reaches her and offers it. And she says that she knows that it will work because they are Karenem. So Karenem, you spoke about, I think it was two weeks ago? I think it was last week. Oh, do you? Doesn't. Anyway, it's like a, a process where... If you are compatible and if your magic is compatible, then you can share magic, essentially. Uh, So she cuts her palm as well and they grip their hands together, mixing their blood. And he tells her that he claims her too. Because last week she said, I claim you as my friend. So now he's responding. I claim you too. Hmm. So she knew that this wasn't her end as like like the black is the darkness is like settling very close to them and it's coming towards them so she pulls from rowan's power and shoves her light down narok's and the last prince's throat and narok spears a vision in her mind of the future before she turns both of them into ash and then we move to sorcia's pov Oh, good! Because who doesn't love a cliffhanger? We do, because we listen and read Sarah J. Maas. Yes. Uh, so, Sorsha is busy trying to write a letter to a friend. When Dorian walks in, nuzzling her neck, being all cutesy. Uh, and he helps her with her tonics and, like, making her day job. When Kale comes in and he is serious, when he tells Dorian that he was right. And I'm just saying, sweet baby Jesus, thank God. Like, Dorian was right about Kale? What? 
Imagine. It's imagine, a miracle. Imagine. It's a miracle. However, so Kale tells them everything, both of them, like, Sorsha's right there. And he tells them everything about magic and the word keys and their theory with the three towers. Uh, and Kale can really see how happy Dorian is with Sorsha. And when he leaves, well, after Dorian leaves, sorry, Kale tells Sorsha that Adderling could use a healer as its queen. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. why does everything have to be about marriage with him? And it's so shitty because she doesn't even, she doesn't even want it. Like, in her head, she's like, oh, fuck, please stop talking. Like, it's, I don't know why he has to do what he's doing. It's, yeah. Like, I appreciate the sentiment, like, building her up a little bit, I guess, to be like, hey, like, I would appreciate it. Like, I don't know, maybe trying to give her a bit of confidence and be like, hey, like, you're not all that useless. Uh, You know what I mean? Like. You're not no. that low down. You're not that terrible. Like, maybe the people here could get behind you as a queen. But, like, one, they haven't even had sex yet. So, like, their relationship can't be that serious. And two, like, Dorian's dad would still never, ever, ever approve. So they're stuck hiding in the shadows until he dies. Like, that could be for, like, 20 or 30 years still. Yeah, I I just, I don't understand why this needs to happen. This scene only shows me how much Kale can't read a situation. Because Sorsha's like, I don't, I don't want to be told that. Like, this is, I know, she, she knows where she's going and it's where she ends up this week. Like, she understands what she is doing and that she will not be queen and she like comes to a reckoning with it and like I don't know I just I think that him saying this to her is just another instance of him being immature yeah I just don't understand why everything has to go to marriage Mm. him and Selena Mm -hmm. were together for like a month and he was like I'm gonna marry her or run away with her and now, like, him and, like, Sorsha and Dorian have been together for, like, maybe a month. And he's like, marriage! And I'm like, who asked you? Like, who even asked you? Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so, Kale asks Dorian, like, later on, uh, if he can help him with Kale's raw, or with Dorian's raw magic. Uh, he wants to do a sort of a type of spell. Uh, so it doesn't require any actual magic because obviously magic is banned. So Kale gets some crystals and some red sand and makes this like weird triangle shape and puts like a bowl in the middle. So he wants Dorian to stay focused on his magic. Uh, to focus the magic story on the first crystal. And to draw a line along the sand to the second crystal and the third one and then back to the first one and so on until the goal 
is going to be to freeze the water they've put in the like in the bowl in the middle to yeah. put to freeze it. So that's the plan. To use his raw magic and the three crystals in a triangle to freeze the water in the center. So he does it. He uses his magic, he freezes the bowl in the middle. Uh so they figure out that now that they've accomplished this, they know how his father froze magic on the continent. Obviously, it's the three crystal towers. Like we, we've been saying. Yeah. Without, like, <laughs> we've said it and we're like, oh shit, I don't think it was actually. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. I don't think we actually knew, but we do. So, Kale ends up, like, knocking one of the crystals over, and the bowl unfreezes. So they realize if they can knock down a tower, they can free magic. Which, again, I don't know why they didn't just test that theory out anyway. Uh, Hard time. Yeah. But he does it. Uh, So they look, they're looking on a map, and they're looking at the towers, on the map and they know that the king is creating something somewhere near where the other two towers are and they look around and they see the ferrying gap which is where Manon is and they also see the town of Orinth which is where uh, the new Lord Parrington and uh, sorry where the new Lord Parrington went with Calting. She's not actually a new He's not actually a new guy, but new to us. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, Kale doesn't really want to knock down the clock tower tonight. Because he's worried people get hurt from, like, the falling debris. Which I sort of appreciate. Yeah. But, wouldn't be me. No, I lied. It probably would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so Dorian tells him thank you actually for what he's done considering like it's been really risky to share information with the rebels and he thinks that change is good and he doesn't want to go back to his life before and he doesn't want to fear the change that's happening and Kale said that he thinks in his brain that that night Kale slept like a king. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, we move to Selena's uh, point of view. So, we're finally getting back to... It wasn't that long. We weren't that yeah. that far gone that long. Uh, but we go back to her. She slept for, like, two days. And when she woke up, she learned that the keep only lost... 14 people, which is weird because weren't there only like 30 that could fight anyway? Yeah. So they lost half their people. They must not have lost half of them or she wouldn't have said it wasn't many. But yeah, like they they must have lost like the weakest of the people because they were, Rowan said they're the ones that he mm. left behind. Behind inside. Right next to the exit yeah. tunnel. Oof. Yeah. So, she also said that, like, by the time she woke up, everything was all cleaned up, and Rowan had actually taken the Valg collars, 
from the princes took them into the woods because he says he didn't trust his cadre. With well, them. he assumed they'd bring them back to Maeve and then... Do we think that the princes are still in them? I don't know. Or do know. they get, do they get like, burnt out? Yeah, me too. I think, I think the princes are gone. Maybe you could summon a new pr- prince. Maybe. Anyway, so the whole cadre is leaving. And none of them even acknowledge Selena. Huh. Like, they don't look at her. They don't acknowledge her. It's like, she just saved everyone's ass. And it's like. Who are you? I don't. I don't want to look yeah, at you. They also didn't have to come, so I like. I. I. I don't. I'm not mad at them for any of the shit, really. I also. I feel like a lot of this is like because of Maeve. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Like they're under her control. We'll say so. Like they probably don't want her to be able to like look into their heads and see anything untoward exactly anyway so and gavriel did acknowledge her he's the only one that did and rowan is really pissed that none of them except for gavriel like offered to help her when they came in like they all just ran straight for rowan so she's pissed Wait. he's pissed yeah rowan is pissed yeah, yeah. rightfully so i just I'm, i don't what were they gonna do i agree However, like, you see someone, like, with their nose bleeding and, like, effort it's taking them to yeah. use their magic. Like, maybe at least, like, offer. Yeah. She would have said no. She would have said go save Rowan. Because yeah. that's the important thing. And the people. So, yeah. I I don't know. And then, like, they're already in trouble for doing this for Rowan. Or they're going to be in trouble for it. You know, I'm... I just don't fault them as much. I know we need, like, tension, and we need some reason to be mad at everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, before Gavriel leaves, he tells both Selena and uh, Rowan to be careful, because the rest of the cadre uh, had already given their reports to Maeve, so she'll know everything. Because obviously they are all blood sworn to her, so she can make them tell her every single little thing. So he's like, "Yeah, be careful, Which, like showing anything." Yeah, like obviously it's going to be bad for Rowan that he was so emotional yeah. about her almost dying. Like that is not something you want Maeve to know. So Selena tells him, "Like thank you for hesitating when you came in." Like, I love that that's where we're at. Like, thank you for not helping me, but thanks for making a motion. Like, maybe you would have helped me. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> I, this this just seems backhanded. Like, why would you thank someone for that? That's yeah. silly. Uh, so then he asks her how old she is. And she tells him 19. And he lets out a sad but relieved breath. <laughs> As if that reaction is somehow important for our future. I can't imagine why. <sighs> so that's a little Easter egg that we will <laughs> talk about later. Later. Uh, so Selena and Rowan go for a walk in the woods, and they find a pool with a waterfall. Fun. And 
he sort of tells her now that she did this. Like, everybody will know that Aelin Galathinius is still alive and still fighting Adderlin. And Mm -hmm. the king will not stop hunting her now. And she said she sort of accepted that the minute she stepped out past the barrier. And she was thinking that she wishes she had something to give Rowan to protect him. Like, she gave Kale the Eye of Elena, and she says she wished she still had the Amulet of Orinth, and she would choose to give him that to protect him. Uh, so she thought about the Amulet then, and she was, like, I guess thinking about it and picturing it in her head, and realized that the forgotten language on it were word marks. What? Everything is coming together. Oh my gosh. And she makes the assumption, the oh, the logical assumption, that the word key is inside that amulet. Yeah. Which Pretty is like, smart. woo! So but it was lost forever. It was lost forever. So, it is, she's thinking that it's the word key that protected Terrison's rulers for so many years and what saved her in the river. So like mm-hmm. because the ruler of Terrison always wore the amulet of Orin, they were always protected, which meant they always had like really long and prosperous rules, which made Terrison like a prosperous country. Mm-hmm. Uh so she's thinking like obviously if she fell in the river, she should have drowned, but the amulet of Orin saved her so if it had saved her from the river she obviously couldn't have lost it in the river Mm -hmm. which means that the person who found her must have taken it from her that person being arabin hamel of course uh so he she obviously assumes he still has it yeah and and like she also assumes he doesn't know what it is yeah uh, so she realizes that she has to go back to Rifthold to get it from him. Uh, Rowan realizes, I guess sees the look on her face and realizes that like she figured something out. And he asks what it is, but she tells him that she can't tell him as long as he's bound to Maeve. Which is amazing forethought on their part. Oh, 100%. Like, I would have not thought about that. I would have been just so excited. I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So there was, like, this weird, awkward silence at that point. <laughs> at that point, because it's like, I can't tell you, even though I trust you, but I can't. Because I don't trust your bitch of a queen. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, to, like, get rid of the awkward silence, she tells him her story from the beginning. Which is a story that not one other person has ever heard. Like, she's never told anybody about all the stuff with Lady Marion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think that's lovely that she tells. Although, again, I feel like it would take a million years to tell that story. <laughs> For everything. Every story that is told would take forever. I don't think we're taking that into account, ever. <laughs> uh... So after she finished telling her story, she is finally able to summon a little droplet of water, which she's never been able to do. She's never been able to control that droplet of water, that drop of water magic from her mother. 
and now she finally can. Um, and then she uses it to splash him in the face. I love it. And then he, in turn, just throws her whole body in the water. <laughs> and then just jumps in after her, which is nice. So the two of them are having a little playful moment. Mm-hmm. It's just night and day. Their relationship. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That has also flourished as well as her magic. It's sort of like I, got, I have a little whiplash because it went from I hate you to let's play. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It it just seemed to go very like no to yes very quickly. Yeah. They really did trauma bond. Yeah. And also, I guess, I guess a battle will do that to you. I don't know. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So after a week of healing, they leave. And she tells Emrys and Luca that if she should ever reclaim her kingdom, they are welcome to a place in her household. And, like, when I read that, I was like, so is she offering them a job? Like, if you ever want to come to Terrison, you can be servants in my house? <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, is I that think... what it is? No, I think it's because, like, technically where they are now... They're, it's like a a crossover place to try to get into Dornell. Like, yes. you go there to train and stuff. So it's not really a home. Yes, they've made it their home. But, like, most people, it's transient. So I, th- I think it's just a, if you want a home, you can come live in mine. Oh, I, right, okay. I totally read this and I was like, is she, is she offering them jobs? Like, does she, <laughs> she want Emrys to like work the kitchens or something? Like. And tell stories. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I guess the other thing too is like, castles are giant. I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yes. We could assume. But do we, do we think that she's like, you can, she did say household, right? Yeah. She definitely <laughs> said household. Because I'm like, why wouldn't you just say you can come to my kingdom and find a spot to live? Yeah, like, well, that's it. It is a bit weird. Which is why I thought she was, like, trying to offer them jobs. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the point. Because if it was, like, you want to come, like, when I reclaim my throne, if you want to come to Terrison, please, come. Like, she could have mm. easily said Terrison. She could have easily said my country. Like, she could have said anything. She didn't. Yeah. She said my household. You're real good in the kitchen. Yeah. Come make me breakfast. Yeah. And, like, can you imagine, like, working alongside someone and then them all of a sudden being, like, the queen and then you still (laughs) having to work for them? It's like, bitch, I made you peel potatoes. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So, we skip to Adian's point of view. Uh, He's meeting with Murtaugh and Ren. And Ren has since healed since his whole fight situation. Uh, and they released, they received a letter from Saul in Surya, with who we mentioned like way, way back in maybe week two, maybe week three. Uh, and he's offering them a visit. He's offering Murtaugh and Ren to come visit to sort of feel him out about like, is he a rebel or is he on the king's side? Like, where does where does everybody fall? Because obviously, you can't say that shit out loud. 
Yeah. Um, so obviously Ren and Murtar are gonna go. Uh Adian though obviously has to stay. He is the king's he's at the king's beck and call. Mm-hmm. Um Kale is there too. Um he is going to NEL in just a few days. Um and Murtaugh shows up like so I guess it Adian, Kale, and Ren are having this little conversation. And Murtaugh hmm. walks in and tells Ren and Adian that she's alive and in Wendelin. Mm-hmm. Which they already knew. They just didn't believe. So, like, I mean, Adian knew who she was. Well, but like, yeah. But I guess my question is, like, how much is the delay? So, like, all that stuff with Selena happened. Mm-hmm. This must be at least a week later, because how else are they getting the news from that it's a different continent yeah it it must be a week later because um in selena's point of view she slept for two days and then they had a week of whatever mm. so like i think it's like real time as the book like okay it, that's my assumption okay yeah no that's valid mm. i was thinking that like everything that we were reading about for ren and like Adian and all them were like a week behind everything we were yeah. about with Selena and them. It is confusing. Yeah. And like the last book mm. asked me about timelines because I don't know shit. Yeah. No valid. <sighs> uh anyway, so he Murtaugh is like super excited, obviously, because she is alive. And mm-hmm. like they all thought she was dead. Uh, and he's Murtaugh says, like, he needs to leave today. He wants to let Terrison know before the king tries to keep that news from spreading. So they know that the king is going to try and put a, like, a kibosh on people talking about what happened. So he wants course, to get yeah. ahead of it. Um, and Murtaugh actually wants Ren to stay in Rifthold and gather information. So... Kale asks Murtaugh to also send word to Eelway. And the word is to hold on and prepare and that it's time to fight back. And I sort of don't hate Does it me. annoy you? No, it doesn't. The opposite. I sort of like no. I sort of like that he did that that he thought about Eelway in this. Okay. It's like his one redeeming thing that he does for me I, in this entire book. Like I like that he considers that. Okay. I'm just like, who, who is he, who to, do is it? he to send them a letter and be like, it's time to fight back. They have been fighting back. They sent their princess to the castle. Like, they've been fighting back this whole time. Sure, I get it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, what else did you think they were doing? They are fighting back. Yeah, I get, yes. No, you're right. Okay, now I don't like it as much anymore. Well, sorry, I'm here for the bashing. <laughs> uh, so, Murtaugh leaves, and he spreads the news as far and as wide as he can. So, like, every tavern he stops at, every town, he has, like, this, like, I don't even know what to call them, group of riders that help him, and every time they tell Aelin's tale at a new place and then Mm -hmm. every time they tell the tale more riders 
leave that town and like it spreads like wildfire. Apt. Thank you. I I came <laughs> up with that. I love it. <laughs> Uh, so, obviously, the king of Adderland is absolutely furious about Aelin killing his soldiers. And I'm assuming he's talking about the Valg princes. I, I I can only safely assume he doesn't care about the humans. Uh, yeah. Um, and Dorian watched him and let him rage and knew that Selina hadn't forgotten them. And he knew that when she finally returned that they would work to change the world together. So this is like the hopeful part of the story where everybody still believes in things and everyone still has hope for a better place or a better time. Yeah. So back to Selena's point of view, they arrive at Dornell and it was known as the city of rivers and it was built out of stone on this massive Island in the middle of like several converging rivers. So there's like a natural river moat around it. Uh, so they cross the bridge into the city during night. And she says she can feel the Fae soldiers like tailing them. Because they just walked on in. Like it wasn't, they didn't have to like wait for a passport or anything for her. They just like walk in. Yeah. No passport <laughs> required. I don't think this world has passports, but I like the idea. <laughs> Uh, so she's got a goldrin, that sword that they got from the cave. And the ring from the cave is in her pocket. And she knows that she's as much a queen as Maeve is. And she will bow to no one. So, like, we are seeing a complete flip from previous anything. Like, really. Like, she is owning her queen fantasy. Yep. Uh, so they see Maeve, like they go into, I guess, her throne room or whatever, and Maeve is there. Rowan bows to her, and she leaves, she doesn't give him leave to rise. So she just leaves him kneeling there. Yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. There are two wolves flanking her chair, one black and one white. And she asks Aelin to show her the magic. Which is what she wanted. She wanted Aelin to have control of her magic. So now she wants a demonstration. Yeah. But Selena asks for the knowledge first. How. So she asks how the um, word keys can be destroyed. Where they are. And anything else she knows about them. And she's very specific in her wording. Because again. With the Fae. Like. They always tell the. Well. They don't. But in lore for the Fae, they always have to mm -hmm. tell the truth. But if you don't word it correctly, they can sort of make adjustments based on that. So you gotta be very careful in how you word things. So Maeve actually tells her that the keys cannot be destroyed. The only thing you can do is put them back in the gate. But Maeve doesn't know how to put them back in the gate. And she never learned how before Brannon took the keys from her. And she says she knows how they feel and she knows how they look. But that's all. She doesn't know where they are. Useful. Right. So, like, she is really not useful. No. Uh, so, Selena then asks about the Valg princes. And Maeve tells her there are many species of Valg. And they are all ruled by the princes. And apparently, like, an entire human legion can be devoured by six princes. So, like, 
They are mega powerful. And Selena just Which killed three. Kind of saw. So, like, do you think General Naroth, do you think mm-hmm. he had a prince inside of him, too? Or do you think he just had, like, a general? Because um, she yeah, like, killed all four of them. are there? Yeah, she did. He he clearly had something inside of him. Was it... Was there four necklaces? I don't know. Necklaces. necklaces yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty necklaces. Or did he have a ring? I don't know. I don't know either. But, like, I can't imagine the princes would be okay being, like, ordered around by a general. Yeah. And it seemed like that's what was happening. Yes. I don't know. Why don't sorry. you know things? I'm sorry. Just know all the things. I can't. Oh, wait. So Selena tells her that she killed three of them with her fire and light. <laughs> so he obviously was not Prince. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and Maeve asks, like, if she knows how Brandon won such a great kingdom. And she was like, no. And he said it's because his flames helped keep the princes at bay. Until a whole force of soldiers could push them back. And at that moment, Selena didn't realize that Brandon wasn't royal. Like, he wasn't born a royal. He, ex- he like, won that land and created the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and Maeve brings up the mark that shows up on her head. So we saw that once before in Throne of Glass, and nobody knew what the mark meant. Uh, and... Now we saw it again when Selena was using her magic to fight the princes. And hmm. so Maeve like brings it up and says, like, do you know what that mark is? And she was like, no, all I know is that it's a sacred mark. And Maeve actually tells her it's only sacred because Brandon carried it and that it's mm-hmm. actually the mark of the bastard, the mark of the unclaimed, unwanted. And it marks them as nameless, as nobody. So, it's a bastard mark, but it's turned into a sacred mark just because of the person who originally carried it. So, like, do we think Brandon carried it, like, on his forehead, like, for everyone to see all the time? Because that would be weird. Yeah. I, like, I guess. But also, like, maybe on another part of his body? Yeah, it's just like a tattoo. Um... If that's the case, people would have known about the mark and they wouldn't have been like, what is this mark on her head? I mean, yeah, like it would have been on his statues and shit. Right. So, so then it, how does she know it's a sacred mark at all? Because she's Maeve. Her. No, like aliens. Oh. I'm assuming Nehemia told her. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, Nehemia definitely, because Nehe- it is a word mark. Yeah. Because we were in the king's point of view in the end of the last, the first book. And he was like, if I find out that that means something, I'll have her killed immediately. But like, can't he read word marks? Yeah. So how did he not know what it meant? I don't know. There's some <sighs> logic leaps here. I don't like this. <laughs> anyway, besides the point. So. Selena then starts looking around and notices that there is no wood in this castle. So, like, what's the chairs and what are all the things? What are stone. all the furniture made of? Even the dining room table is made of stone? Yes. Anyway, 
So there's no wood in the castle. And she asks Maeve. And like this part of the conversation I actually found very like genial. Like she's just asking Maeve questions and Maeve's answering them. It's it's a very, it's a nice like, they're acting like they don't hate each other. Yeah. <coughs> so she asks why the mark glowed the day she faced Cain. Uh, and Maeve sort of, I don't know if she doesn't know or if she's acting as if she doesn't know. Mm. But she sort of is unsure and says, like, maybe it was her blood recognizing the Valg the same way Brandon fought the Valg ages and ages ago. Like, maybe it's just a blood recognizing evil thing. But that doesn't seem true. But I guess the only two times that it has glowed, she has been fighting the Valg. Val- yeah, Valg. Mm. Uh, Maeve says that really the only other way to kill them is by cutting their heads off. Oh. We needed this conversation (laughs) before we had our, like, spiral last week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, and since in Adderlin there's no magic, so obviously she can't use her fire magic. Mm -hmm. uh, Really, you're just going to have to cut off a bunch of heads. A bunch. Yeah. All the heads. All the heads. Uh, and then they start, sort of, they keep talking, and they, they postulate that the King of Adderland definitely doesn't have all three keys. Because if he did, the world would be, like, on fire right now. But not fire, because no. that's Aelin. Because they don't like it. But, like, yes. the world would be encased <laughs> in darkness. Yeah. Well, which is, like, except for their little spot, because their whole point was that they don't want to be in the darkness anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it it would obviously be a shit show. Yeah, so they sort of hypothesize that he can only open the portal for a few minutes to let a prince in to inhabit a body. But with all three keys, he could keep the portal open indefinitely and just bring armies of Valg into their world. Good. And as of right now, oh, as of right now, he has to use magic users' bodies. But if he has all three keys, he won't need to use magic users as vessels. He could use dead bodies, which is what we talked about. Yes. He said we didn't know. And apparently with the three keys, he wouldn't even need wordstone callers. So it would just straight up be like demon possession. Yeah. Which we don't, we don't want him to get the keys. Obviously not. But like, it's just bringing me straight back to supernatural. Oh yeah. 100%. Uh, and also, like, Maeve's like, this army is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> it's an army that doesn't need to sleep or eat or breathe. Good. Right? Like, this is, this is promising stuff here. And, and guys, like, obviously, we're talking about it. Maeve is mentioning it. I think it's fair to say, maybe we'll see a little bit of it in the, in the very... In the, oh. just in the future yeah i guess There's still three more books to go <laughs> four more if you count kale's book Blech. yeah um do you know what actually side note um i saw somebody on one of my facebook groups post and say like i just finished um empire of storms now i have to read tower of dawn tower of dawn she was like do i really have to read it 
And everyone's like, yes, you actually do have to read it because there's, you know, you meet characters, you, you, there's important stuff in there mm-hmm. and it gives you important information. But everyone says, like, I've heard a lot of people say that the tandem read is like a, a an undertaking. Yeah. Right? Well, I can only imagine, like, you'd have to set up the books and that's already too much work for me. Because, like, you'd have to put, like, stickies in when you're going to switch books. Like, you'd need to. Yes. No, wait. So she couldn't be finished Empire of Storms. Because Empire of Storms is the tandem read with... Yeah. So she must have finished the other one. No. Queen of no. Shadows. No, you're right. No. You, no, I'm right the first time. She finished Empire of Storms. Uh, but someone else posted and said, this is why a lot of people do the tandem read mm-hmm. with... Tower of Dawn and Empire of Storms at the same time because they don't want to deal with a whole book of kale at once. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, that's actually quite smart. It is, yes. I just feel like it would be an undertaking. I would love to know who created that. Like, who took all that time to go through everything and make that? Like, that is an undertaking. And I kind of want to do it. Maybe we should for our, when we get to those books. That's a great, I was thinking that actually. Yeah. So maybe for our Empire of Storms, Tower of Dawn, we'll do two months. And we'll and do tandem. Tandem read. And then we can walk everybody through it and it will be fun. Yeah. And we can experience it. everything together. I'm just thinking of our schedule. It'll be like chapters <laughs> of this book and chapters in like... If it's different, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we'll it's it. gonna be messy, but it'll be fine. We'll get yeah. it done. Anyway, so back to, uh, back to the conversation between Maeve and Aelin. Uh, so she says, Maeve says that she thinks the king probably has one key, maybe two, but she also knows that Aelin has a theory about the third one. And she wants that information, but Aelin obviously won't tell her where it is. Yeah. So Maeve commands Rowan to tell her about it. And he has to tell her the truth that she figured out where it is, but she refused to tell him where. So smart. Yeah. So Maeve commands Rowan, or no. So she then snaps her fingers and the two wolves that were standing beside her become men and Lorcan and Gabrielle appear from behind pillars. And the wolves grab, or they're not wolves anymore, they're men. But they grab Rowan and force him onto his knees. And Gabrielle and Lorcan have iron whips. And they start to whip Rowan. And, like, I think, so, I keep going back and forth between Selena and Aelin. It's the same person. Yeah. Um. So, like, Aelin is... She comments in her head that the guys look sort of vacant. Like, you can tell that they're being ordered to do this. Like, that they're not doing it of their own free will. Yeah. Um. So she begs Maeve to stop. But Maeve is like, not until you answer. Like, where is that other word key that you know about? Yeah. And she opens her mouth. And we don't know if she's about to tell her or not. But Rowan manages to get out the word don't. And that defiance that he had broke the hold that she kept on herself and on her power. 
uh, and she sort of lets it loose, and she sort of, in her brain, admits that she has been secretly tunneling into her power for days. So she's got, like, a ton built up. Good. And, right? She releases so much heat that Rowan's blood that has been spilling on the floor turns to steam. Like, red steam rising. (laughs) How creepy. It'd be a really good Halloween effect. (laughs) Yeah, true. We're getting close to Halloween, people. My mind is there. I love it. I love it. Yeah. here for it. Uh, and so then when she turns to look at Maeve, Maeve's face is gone, like, super pale, and she looks scared. So then, Selena sets the world on fire. It's, like, her favorite thing to do. (laughs) That's true. I love it, too. So, we're still in Selena's point of view, but she kind of, I guess, thinks to herself that nobody is actually burning. Like, the- there is fire everywhere. Like, this whole- Town city, I know it's not an island, it has a moat. I'm calling it an island right now. But this whole island is on fire, basically. Um, But nobody is actually being hurt by it. Yet. Exactly. Um, She also is able to just tear through all of the shields of Rowan's cadre, which I think is just like a throwaway line, but I'm like, that's... That's something. Like, that is giant. That is large. (laughs) They're all hundreds of years old. Like, they've been building up. And, like, think, if if they are all as powerful as Rowan. Yeah. That's a lot of power. This is wild. It's very impressive. Um, so, Selena's basically like, you said you wanted a demonstration, so here it is. Yeah, Maeve basically says her city is stone. But, Selena counters her people aren't um and then Maeve says that Aelin won't murder innocents although she has for years we really are bopping back and forth between the two names it's only so much we can do yeah um this is the last book for it the only book for it I guess yeah um but yeah so Maeve is just saying like Selena's been killing people for years which is true were they innocent I don't probably not yeah but still. I can't imagine she had, like, a huge crisis of, like, even though she was raised by the, by Arabin, the assassin, and, like, she had a horrible upbringing, and, like, she became, like, you know, Adderlin's assassin and whatever. Mm. She still had, like, a conscience. Like, she was uh-huh. still a decent person. And we know that from, from Assassin's Blade. Exactly, those, yeah. Those stories. So, like, we know that she didn't entirely lose herself and become this monster that everyone thinks she did. Yeah. Which you'd think Maeve would know better, but whatever. Um, Who the fuck cares about Maeve? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyway, Selena's basically just like, Maeve wanted to know how much power she had. It wasn't to help Selena. It was to know how much of a threat she is, basically. And it's kind of... It's still not a good idea. It's just, it's, it was... It's weird that she was like, we're going to get you to tip-top training so that you can defeat me. It's so, it's so weird that Maeve even wanted her to figure out her power. Like, 
so this is my issue with it is that she literally could have left selena in the dark about her own power could have left her floundering could have just given her the information she wanted she was on a path to self-destruction a hundred percent yeah so like i don't know why she would rather like get her to figure out her life like figure her stuff out just so she had knowledge of how much power she had to me that's just like oh knowledge is better than being in the dark not in this case no she literally like forged a path to her own destruction yeah i guess she just helped like the one person that could overthrow her exactly yeah it's so weird that she did that i guess i guess her goal is eventually to have the keys and she thinks she needs Selena, Aelin, to get them. And then she's going to get them from her. Like, that is that is that where we are? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. Because there's just too much. There's more books. We'll figure it out. Um, Selena basically just, like, starts telling Maeve everything she's figured out through Emrys' stories. And... She has realized, like, Maeve didn't give the keys to Brandon. <laughs> like, she wasn't just like, hey, take these and put them yeah. wherever. She tried to take them, and he, he, like, basically stopped her. But in the whole process, she ended up, Maeve ended up killing her beloved, Athro. Um, in her grief over killing this person she loved, Brandon was able to take the keys from her, and he's the one who had sacked the sun goddess temple, which I assume is important yeah. to note. Um, he also left Anthril's sword in the cave where Anthril had once carved out the, cre- the eye of a creature. And he left it in, this, in that cave as like a tribute. So that is the sword that she found. Um... Maeve also didn't dare follow Brandon because he had the keys and all the power and he, that's why he kept one. She thinks this, she obviously doesn't say it, but that's why he kept one in the amulet to protect his line against Maeve coming back and trying to steal it all from them. Right. Um, and this is why Maeve lives in Dornell and has abandoned all the land outside and she basically built a city of stone surrounded by water to protect from Brandon and his line because they are fire. Um, Which, can I just say, genius. Yeah. So smart. She is a genius. I don't yeah. like her, but she's smart. She is smart. Um, Selena then extinguishes her fire because she knows that like she's in control of the power. It's not it's not the amount of power she has. It's the control she has. That is the impressive part. You know, all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, then she goes over to Rowan and just like bares her teeth at the twins and they just release him and he sags against her and he's just like murmuring her name and you're like, um, but then Maeve, (laughs) Maeve still owns him obviously. So she calls him to her and he just like starts stumbling towards her because he can barely move. Um, sounds awful. Maeve then asks for the sword because Selena was like, this is the sword of your beloved. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and its name is Goldrin. And she's just like, give me the sword and get the fuck out. <laughs> but obviously Selena refuses and says it's hers through blood and fire and darkness. And Maeve tells her that she will pay for this. Oh, it's like that old, like, villain, like, you'll pay for this! And it's like, <laughs> yeah. mm, no, I won't. <laughs> will I? Will I, though? Well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Selena then walks over to Maeve, takes her hand, and shows her the vision that she saw from Narok. Narok? General Narok? Yeah, that's his name. Why does it sound weird? Um, but she shows her the vision as if it is truth of the future, not just, like, a possibility. So he gave her the vision to be, like, just a warning. You could become a... What is that word? A... Starts with a D. Dictator. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you uh... I know. I know. It was... The gears were processing. Yeah, so he gave it to her as a warning of, like, if you're not careful, you might take the three keys yourself and fuck shit up and be a terrible person as well. Um, would she be as bad? I don't think so. But she shows Maeve this vision. So it's basically, she's in the royal castle of Orinth and she walks out to the balcony to see a crowd who are like frantically chanting her name and her court... I know her court is behind her and they're in shadow. So you can't really tell who's there, but they're fierce. Um, Goldrin is on her back and the amulet, which is the one word key is around her neck. And she like tries not to focus on the ambulance. So amulet. So Maeve doesn't like look at it. Yeah. Smart. Um, but yeah, she's, she has all the keys now and she's used them to banish her enemies and to grow crops. And she's more than human, more than a queen. So, like, she is basically doing what the king did, but, like, she's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the mark on her forehead is glowing blue, and the world is hers to be taken. So she shows this to Maeve as if it is a premonition of what is definitely going to happen in the future. And Maeve is pale because she believes that, like, this is a possibility. Um. Which is just kind of funny because it was literally given to Selena as, like, a warning of, like, don't let this happen. Yeah. But, like, why? Like, that doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> like, she's happy. She's got her court. Everybody loves her. <laughs> there are crops ever. Like, tell me why this is bad? <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't know. Um... She then tells Maeve to be more careful before threatening her or hurting Rowan. And Maeve says Rowan is hers and she can do whatever she likes with him, basically. Which is true. Uh, but then Selena pulls out a ring that we've heard about a few times. And um, Maeve goes still as death and says it doesn't belong to Selena. But Selena says that it's hers by chance. And she's surprised that Maeve is so sentimental. Maybe it's because Maeve isn't sentimental. Yeah. And this will come back. To haunt us. To haunt us. Um, yeah. And not likely that Maeve is sentimental. But um, Selena kind of thinks like she knows Rowan gave her the sword knowing that like he knew what the sword was when he gave it to her and he wanted her to use it as a bargaining chip if she could figure it out like if she was smart enough 
but she isn't looking for power or safety or an alliance with Maeve. She just wants Rowan. So she offers Maeve the ring in exchange for Rowan's freedom from his blood oath, which is not a thing. Like a blood oath is eternal. You can't just break them. This is not something that is doable. Apparently you can. But you can. Because <laughs> Maeve agrees. Um, and basically just like frees him honorably. And his cadre are all just standing there like, what the fuck? This isn't possible. It's like, free us too, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is weird. This isn't a thing. Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, Rowan then runs to Aelin and <laughs> drops to his knees, takes her wrist, and says they need to do the blood oath. So, like, he just got out of this, and he wants to jump right back in. And, like, they don't know each other that well. Like, I feel like he's jumping into this a little willy-nilly. He absolutely is. It's like, whoa, slow your roll. But, of course, they basically have a silent conversation, because Aelin does not want to do this, because he just got out of one. He shouldn't jump into a new relationship. Exactly. (laughs) It's like she's the rebound. Yeah. But he's just like, Maeve will think twice before attacking you after you leave here if we are bound. Because together they are so much more. And like Maeve knows that. Like they're even Karen Om. Like she'll think twice. And she, Aelin also kind of realizes that like Rowan is doing this now because he knows that she can't say no because this would be a giant fight otherwise um but she doesn't really know what she's doing but she basically just says okay and he tells her that he claims her to whatever end which is like the sweetest which is a huge quote in this book to whatever end is like Mm -hmm. one of the big quotes for the series yeah so Anyone out there getting a tattoo, that's a good choice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She also feels, like, a feminine warmth, like she did earlier, kind of, like, telling her that this is okay. So it's like, she's being guided by a goddess, we'll say, Hmm. saying that it's okay for her to do this. Hmm. And Rowan promises they'll find a way, a court, to change the world together. So that's something... Um, so then Aelin does the blood oath with him. Uh, she asks if he promises to serve her, serve in her court until he dies. And he obviously does. And he drinks three mouthfuls of her blood and a thread tightens between them, binding them. And Maeve says, now that they've insulted her, take it (laughs) out. (laughs) Which is fair. Like, this is a bit intense. So the cadre basically runs away and then Selena and Rowan hurry out and Rowan like isn't even going to pick up any of his shit. He's just like, we need to get out of here. She's going to kill us. Yeah. (laughs) But then they stop at an inn for the night and the next day Rowan tattoos Selena. Um, so over breakfast, he drew up some sketches for her and they're so perfect. It was like he reached into her soul. Of course. Ah, yes. Um, also, tattoo, super painful. And 
she kind of thinks like that's the point of the salt is to remind of the losses like you want the pain basically so while she can she's- i just i don't understand are they mixing the salt into the ink or are they sprinkling it on as they do it is it like seas- it. is it like seasoning seasoning <laughs> salt bay salt bay um i i think that they're i think it's mixed in with the ink so i don't understand how salt is well i guess salt in a wound <laughs> I'm never for a reason, I guess. Yes, yeah, I've never, I've never had it done before, so I didn't know salt would be like. I didn't know salt was actually painful to an open wound. I guess it would sting, but same. Like I've never cut myself and then thought, "Hey, I wonder how salt feels in this." Yeah, yeah, it's not something I've ever been like. I need to try this. I guess now we will. <laughs> but like, isn't tattooing like painful enough? <laughs> Why do they need I know. to add the salt? I, I, I know. I it think hurts. it's just a, a like, it's even more painful for them because they have a higher pain tolerance too. Oh, but guess. like, they're like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think it's necessary. But anyway, that's what they do. So while she's being tattooed, she sings the prayer she should have said like 10 years ago. And she tells the gods of her parents, her uncle and Marion's death and to like take them into paradise and keep them safe. So basically what you do when people die. <clears throat> she thinks like once she goes back to Terrison, she'll have to sing from sunup to sundown with no food or water with her knees in gravel. So like that, I guess that's like the custom. So this is just the start, like this pain that she has while from the tattoo is an offering to the gods. Um, so after Rowan helps her after the tattoo, Rowan helps her go to a field where she sings the song of her household and they just like stay kneeling in the field until the morning. Basically the time passage was a bit weird here. Yeah. Anyway, this is, this is some like, these are some like hard up customs, man. Like, yeah. Having to stay in a field all like, Having to sing from sun up to sundown with no food or water with her knees and grab. Like, that is that is a severe custom. Yeah. It is intense. Wild. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So we actually get what the tattoo is now, which is good. Kind of. We kind of get what the tattoo is. So he tattooed three solid lines of, like, text. I'm assuming it's in the old language. Um over her three largest scars. One line is for her parents, one for her uncle who was the king, and one for Marion. And then on her shorter scars are the stories of Nehemia and Sam. I can't really picture it. Well, like in my brain, it, the text is going sideways. 100% running yes. down. But like <laughs> diagonally. Mine is diagonal. Oh, in your brain, see mine is a straight up and down. Diagonal you, makes more that- sense. Yeah, I doubt that her scars are straight up and down. But yeah, I'm That's just like, diagonally three word, three lines of text, and then like, little line on top, little line on bottom. I, I can't think of, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine, I can't imagine her scars, let alone this tattoo. I would actually really enjoy looking up some fanfic about it, though. Or not fanfic. Fan, fan art, yeah. Fan art. Like, I think yeah. some people who can visualize things better than us probably would do a really good job getting these images out looking it up yeah send me what you find 
Um, anyway, so then we, we pop over to Manon's point of view. I feel like it's been a hot sec. Um, and officials and counselors from Otterlin have come to watch the war games to report back to the king. And the games are really literally just the game Capture the Flag. Uh, so three of the clans are against each other. They each have a glass egg in a nest. So they need to be on offensive and defensive to get all three eggs. There's no killing or maiming, but they can each have two weapons. So Manon has wind cleaver and a dagger. You're like, maybe you shouldn't have weapons if you're not going to allow injuries. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, sorry, I lost myself. Uh, the witches are basically all wearing dyed leather of their, like, colors. So black, blue, or yellow. And their wyverns are painted with similar streaks on their wings and tails. So it's like, it's like in high school. Like, it's just games. <laughs> it seems wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds fun. It does sound fun. Uh, they all, like, present on their wyverns in front of the mortals in their ranks. And Astrin kind of just says, like, they're fools for not knowing what they've unleashed. Like, giving these witches the power and wyverns, like, yeah, humans are like, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Which, maybe not wrong. Yeah. I don't know, man. Not not super smart on their part. Yeah. Like, because it's all based on control, right? Like, so obviously the king of Adderlin and whoever decided to do this they fully believe that they have full control over all these clans of witches. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, do you? And, like, I get it from the king's perspective, I guess. Do you? Because he's not evil. No. But, like... Like, I get that he thinks he has more control because of what he is. I guess, but, like... I don't know. I think, well, I guess that's the thing. That's sort of the downfall of all villains, isn't it? Is they think they have more control and they have absolute power when they don't. Yes. Or they have more confidence in themselves than they should. Yeah. Like, they believe in the dark and they don't believe enough in the power of light and love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I guess that's his downfall is he does think he has control and he actually doesn't, but... Well, like, and he has one or two keys, and he thinks he's going to get the third. So if he if he gets the three keys, he has absolute power. So, like, I get why he's confident, but it's dumb. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they start the games, and the um, Manon's group... Can I just they- say that I feel like it's been ages since we've been with Manon. 100%. It has. Like, it I'm pretty like sure it. the last time we were with Manon, was it even last week? Like, did we see Manon at all last week? Yes, because she jumped off the... Was that last week? I don't think that was last week. I think that was the week before. I don't remember. But yeah, the last time was when they had to do the crossing. Yeah, it was It was a while. And a yeah. lot has obviously happened if, like, they've definitely been training since then. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, that's okay. So the 13 are like smart. They know their strategies. They're doing good, but they, (laughs) they're deciding to go after the blue blood egg first. So Manon, um, ends up basically, they, they end up getting the egg with very little 
fanfare. Very easy. The Bluebuds weren't really training super hard for this. They've had to, like, their customs and their praying take up so much time that, like, they haven't spent as much time training as everybody else. So she basically just gets it in (laughs) less than 10 minutes. Like, (laughs) um, but at the same time, the Bluebloods and the, um, the Blue Bloods and the Yellow Legs both go after the Black Beaks eggs. So, like, half of their group has stayed back for defense. Because it's not just the 13 doing this. Like, it's it's multiple clans right. of each yeah. group of witches. Uh, yes. So, um, I guess nobody gets the Black Beak egg. Because Minon gets the Blue Blood egg, brings it back to her nest. And then Manon kind of watches Astrin do a crazy move that she's learned on her own. So Astrin jumps off the wing of her wyvern onto a yellow legs below her and like puts her hand to her neck to imitate like a killing shot. Um, And then she lifts her arms back up and is picked up by her wyvern who then like flips her around and throws her on its back. So like she's clearly been practicing away from everybody else, which you know, I think she even says, Manon's like, what the fuck? And she's like, you don't become second by sitting on your ass, you know? Yeah. So, and, but then after, Abraxos, like, playfully flirts with Astrin's blue mount, which is so cute. I love them. Um, <laughs> so then obviously they go after the yellow legs egg, because that's the only one they don't have. Um, and the 13 let four other covens kind of shoot through the yellow legs and... Then they rush in and they're like going three different ways to kind of like mix up the yellow legs covens so that they're like in chaos and they aren't near people who they've practiced with. So they can't get their order back together. Amazing. It's so smart. Um, Which is what they wanted, obviously. But during all this chaos, Petra swoops in for the egg, which is so smart on Petra's part. Like, yes. I'm here for it, except for obviously not, but you know. Um, Manon tries to, like, go for her, but before she can get there, Iskra gets to her first, and their wyverns start fighting, and Manon is, like, about to go for the egg and leave them to fight, but hears Petra's soul-splitting scream and sees that Iskra's wyvern has clamped its jaws on Keeley's neck. And Keeley is Petra's mount. And Iskra basically commands her wyvern to let Keeley go. And Manon hears another scream from the blue blood matron as her daughter is basically plummeting to the rocks below. Because Keeley is... Dead. Ba- basically dead. Yeah. Um, Manon is kind of just like trying to go for the egg (laughs) still a little bit yeah (laughs) well it's a hard it's a hard decision to make man it's like do i do what my grandmother like told me to do yeah or do i save this like rando not a rando but like this girl that's not even part of my coven then you know and manon has no heart remember so she doesn't she doesn't care yeah, and, like, even if it was one of her 13, I'm sure her grandmother wouldn't want her to save them. Like, it's... She really shouldn't. But, of course, 
she she kind of thinks that like she's not sure if she gives the command or just thinks it but abraxos is like we're going there yeah <laughs> I, I take this as abraxos is doing this um but abraxos is too small to like stop keely or like hold keely from yeah. falling basically yeah but she had just seen Astron do this crazy jump thing. So she does the same, basically. Um, she, Manon is kind of like telling herself, like, this is all for an alliance. This is for a show for the, yeah, the men, matrons, yeah. officials. Like, this is all, you know, it has nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, she has no soul. She has no heart. It's not because she feels bad. It's not because she wants yeah. to save somebody's life. She's heartless. Exactly. But then she remembers Petra calling her my Keely and seeing the uncontrollable, unconditional love in Keely's eyes as like Keely is still dying. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you can tell yourself it's for an alliance. Um, But she jumps off of Braxos onto Keely's back and cuts Petra free. For some reason, Petra has passed out. I don't really. Yeah. I don't know, unless she's, like, passed out from shock because of the attack I, on I, Keely. I, I guess. Or, like, maybe, like, they started falling so fast. Like, can that make you pass? I guess, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I just don't really understand why she was passed out. But yeah, whatever. Know. She's there as a useless person just flip-flopping around. Yeah. Um, so, Manon has to strap them together. And then she, like, they are approaching the bottom. Um, but Manon says... Thank you to Keely for like living long enough yeah. that she was able to get Petra off of her back. Yeah. And then she leaps off of her back and Abraxos grabs them and Keely crashes on the bottom and doesn't move again, which yeah. is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. We don't get the rest of the games, obviously. Um, doesn't really matter. The Black Beaks won. Manon is named wing leader. Her grandmother was disgusted that she saved Petra. But the blue blood matron kneels in front of her to thank her. So, like, I get being like, don't do it, it's weakness, but like, it's the so blue blood smart. It's like the blue blood matron is now going to follow her yeah. into battle, basically. Like, she would, she's gonna kneel, she's kneeling to her, like, it's good. But, but according, in the grandmother's mind, it's not good because now. The blue blood matron is beholden to Manon, not to exactly. the grandmother. Right? Exactly. Like that's, that's another that's another uh alliance for Manon, not for the grandmother. So like now, hypothetically, Manon can kill the grandmother if she wanted to and take over as the matron. Which she should. She should, totally. <laughs> yeah. I guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I get I get why the grandmother is unhappy. It just doesn't make sense with the story that she's telling Manon. If she's like, I want us to go back and fight the wastes after. Like, you want the blue bloods to be behind you. So it is good that the matron is like, but yeah. Um, Anyway, we we hear then that Petra is broken in her soul after Keely died and she can't get out of bed. And the yellow legs matron just says it was an, Accident due to uncontrollable wyverns, but Manon knows that Iskra ordered the kill. But she also thinks, like, this is Petra's revenge. It's not her revenge. So, like, she's going to leave that to Petra to enact. 
So they all go to the mess hall afterwards for her celebration of becoming wing leader. And everyone is pumped. There's like a bunch of ale to drink. Ashrin tests Manon's glass for poison before Manon can drink it. And you're like, it would be bad if she died too, but whatever. Um, her grandmother greets her and asks what gift they can give her. And then offers her a new cloak. And Manon knows she can't refuse, but she's also like, the cloak she has on was from her first kill of a Crockin witch. So she's like, she doesn't want to get rid of it, but she knows that she can't not yeah. take this gift from her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Crockin witch that we heard about, I guess, two, three, who knows, weeks ago, um, is brought out. And clearly she's been tortured. But Manon notices, like, her eyes are still bright. So, like, even though she's been tortured, she's still, like, fighting. They didn't break her. Exactly. Um, Manon is kind of thinking, like, all Krakens deserve death because they cursed and exiled the Iron Teeth. But while she's even thinking that, she kind of recognizes it's her grandmother's voice in her head saying those things. So she's kind of, like, slowly indoctrinating herself <laughs> very slowly yeah this is a process uh obviously it's a cult like you can't just snap out of it um but this witch speaks up and says the crockens call manon the white demon and she's on the top of their list of like kill on site like she <laughs> is their number one <laughs> to kill which is manon's actually kind of proud of that well, yeah. Witching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the witch then also says, like, this witch talks for a second here. Like, like there's a lot. They let her talk for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit much. Um, but she says Manon's sisters didn't break her in the end. And that this, making Manon kill this Crockin witch, is a reminder to Manon to be what she was made to be. And it's like... After saving somebody in the games, this is like a, your place is heartless. Yeah. Take, go back there. Yeah. And you're like, why are they, why are they letting her speak? <laughs> but it goes on. She tells her the Iron Teeth know how to end the curse, but the real secret that, like, the Crockins don't tell them is that they pity them because they aren't born evil, but they are forced into it. And the Krakens feel sorry for the Iron Teeth. And Manon basically says, enough. And The matron, you mean, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The matron, sorry, says, enough. Yeah, finally. Like, she said a lot here. <laughs> yeah. And Manon kind of looks at her and sees that it's all true. Like, she can read it on her grandmother's face. Yeah. Like, that is the truth. They do make them this way. Because they are, they do legit, like, they are indoctrinated from small children to be like, you have no heart. You are soulless. Like, you are a pure evil. Like, all of that. Yeah. And then they make them do the actions to reinforce that mm-hmm. and sort of, try, like, make them like it, I guess. But, like, we all know nobody is born. I mean, I guess yeah. it's the whole nature-nurture conversation. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> we're not getting into it. Not again. We've done it before. Um, Yeah. So 
Manon is kind of realizing, oh shit, this is the truth, which is like a big deal. Yeah. Um, she really does have a heart and the capacity to love. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> and then the Kraken witch just says, do it. And Manon kind of realizes, like, it isn't a challenge, but it's a plea. Like, this witch has been through it, and she is basically, like, pleading for death. So, like, as much as it is, like, a punishment for Manon, she's also doing this witch a favor in this moment. Yeah. By killing her. Um, which probably hurts Manon more. Like, not, like, helps her in the long run to on-indoctrinate herself into this, but, like, it being a mercy to kill her goes against the point of the bloodthirsty need to kill. Yes. Which is good in the long run for us. But anyway, so she ends up cutting her throat. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. Um, so later <laughs> on, <laughs> I'm like, she's so nice. She's so nice. She's cutting her throat for her. She's such a good person. <laughs> she's, yes. Um, anyway, so later on, Manon and Abraxos are on the Rune Mountains, and Abraxos is, like, smelling the flowers and rolling around. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I love it so much. cute little baby boy. It just, it reminds me of Toothless, and I love it. Um, and Manon can't stop thinking about what the Crockin Witch said, and she thinks of Keely, and of Abraxos, and of helping Petra, and... Um, she thinks, like, even though they were bred to kill and strike terror, she's grateful to have Abraxos, like, because she's looking at him. He's rolling around in these flowers. Like, he was built, well, basically as a bait beast, like, even worse than yeah. what the wyverns were. But he has the capacity to love flowers, which are weakness. So, like, seeing him have a duality, she's like, maybe... She can have the same. And then she thinks for the first time ever, she feels some regret that she doesn't know what the Crockin Witch's name was. Yeah. Like she's never felt regret in her life. Like, imagine. <laughs> I just, I just love that, like, this whole event was designed to, like, make the witches stronger and make them a tool for the King of Adderlin and all that to use against Aelin and realistically like if Manon had been left to her own devices and her to her own existence she probably would have never started feeling these feelings but yeah. it's actually the king's fault that she starts getting these feels and like mm -hmm. we can sort of assume where this is going to go in the future right like yeah. she's realizing that she maybe can have a heart now what's gonna happen in four books time yeah i guess we'll see um so yeah we end up leaving her and like i'm just gonna say it this next part the point of view changes are like constant it is wild there's just is it back like and forth page and back and page forth. page it's what it feels like. Mm. Just like, look at this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, every second line is a change. Anyway, so we go to Kale's point of view, and him and Adian are on the roof of Aelin's apartment, and Adian is celebrating because... Sorry, a I did say Adian, right? Adian is yeah. celebrating Aelin's victory over Narok. 
and like just the general statement that She's she alive. is alive and she is fighting. Like, that's ideal. So, Kale originally came over because he had planned to tell Adian that he knows how to, like, bring magic back. Mm -hmm. But he just hasn't told him yet. And he's kind of just keeping it to himself. (laughs) And you're like, okay. Um, Terrible idea. Yeah. Because he's leaving in three days. Um, And then, so, Kale then thinks, and I... I'm going to read it from the book because it's important, I think. But then I feel like he almost forgets this the next book. But he thinks, Aelin is coming home, but not to him. She's coming home to Terrison, to Adian, to Ren, and the court that she's regathering in her name. She's coming home to war and bloodshed and responsibility. And part of him can't even fathom what she'd done to Narok. But he could not accept that part of her. So bloodthirsty and unyielding, even as Selena, it had, it had been hard to swallow. And he'd tried to look past it, but as Aelin, he'd known since the moment he figured it out, like, figured out who she was, that Selena would p- always pick him, but Aelin would not. And it's kind of like, it's kind of his realization that there's no future for him yeah. and her. Yeah. And like... I like that he's realized that. Finally. Fuck. I feel like the next book, he completely fucking forgets all of this. It's It has been a hot second since I've read the next book, and maybe I'm, like, thinking of it wrong, but my memory <laughs> is that he's a, com- like, he's a complete piece of shit and acts like he's still in love with her. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. remember. I don't, I don't remember. remember that. I do remember him acting like a complete piece of shit. Yeah, but, like... I remember... I don't remember there being an undertone of love. I remember him being, like, pissed that she's not wearing his ring anymore. Oh. And you're like, dude, what? I thought you just had this realization that she's, like, she's too much for you. She's too powerful. She's She's always been too much for him. Yeah. And, like, I don't actually mind the, like, Selena would choose him, but Aelin wouldn't. Like, fine. Sure. If that's what helps you sleep at night. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I still don't think it's true, but sure. (laughs) Anyway, not the point. So, he is letting her go. And he almost gives Adian the eye of Elena to give back to her. Which is why this ring thing has stuck in my brain as like, why is he pissed about that? Like, he's like, wanting to give her back her amulet. Like, that's a... I, I don't understand. Anyway, whatever. Um... Uh, yeah, but he, he does realize, like, he isn't ready just yet to, like, give up everything that he has of her. Um, he tells Adian to just tell her that he had nothing to do with Adian. Like, when Adian sees Aelin, just say that him and Kale didn't work together this whole time. (laughs) And that Kale is safe in NAL. Because that's the plan. He's going to be in NAL. Um, and Adian asks him what he'd have given to see her again. But Kale just says, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, I feel like from this conversation, I feel like the next book is a complete 180. I just don't understand how he gets so shitty. 
Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll have actually to, go through it because yes. I maybe I'm remembering some stuff wrong, which completely happens to he me. Is a, he is an asshole in the next book. Oh, for sure. But maybe like I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just forgetting. But Catherine, else. he goes through so much growth in this book. Seriously. <laughs> It's clearly not this book, although I am happy that he's like, she's too much for me. I can admit that yes, in my is. head. She I'm like, good. Is. Good. Yes. I think every woman is too much for you. Yeah. Because you are too little for everybody. Yeah. Like the <laughs> definition of like small dick energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So we go to Sorsha's point of view now, and she is lying next to Dorian who is sleeping and they had almost had sex but she hesitated and like he was like if you're gonna hesitate we shouldn't have sex basically like he's a good person yeah um but she's thinking like the world is changing like Aelin is alive and magic might be released and she cannot have him worrying about her he is going to be a king like I actually feel like this is kind of important she she thinks she's grateful for the time that she's had with him, but she also knows that she can't be queen. And, like, I think in one of the last scenes or something, Kale was like, it'd be nice to have a healer yes, queen. yeah. Because Kale is a fucking tool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But... Do you know what? Like, I almost think I dislike Kale more than... More I- than Tamlin? Yes! <laughs> I knew you were going to say... Because Tamlin the tool came into my head when I called him a tool. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Love it. Uh Tamlin the tool. Kale the tool. Yeah. Basically. Um, he's just so dumb. <laughs> he's just so childish. Like yeah. I get it. He's still a child. But there are other children like, in this, like Aelin is also a child. Dorian is yes. also a child. Sorsha yes. is also like they're all children. Yeah, and she has realized that she can't be queen. And I think this is, like, a giant, like, she never, yeah, she never came into this thinking that she would be queen and all. Like, this is very smart of her, and I appreciate getting this, because otherwise it would all just be a bit too rose-colored glasses. Yeah. So I I do appreciate that we get her realizing that. Anyway, then we pop right back over to Kale's point of view, and him and Adian are planning an escape for Sorsha and Dorian, basically. So they're all going to leave together when KL goes to leave for NAL. And Sorsha is going to basically run then. And he is going to try to convince Dorian to leave as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then KL is summoned to the King's Council. And when he gets there, Adian is already inside. And so are no. a shit ton of other guards. Which are like the weird guards that do- oh, that Kale the ones that know. Kale doesn't know about being a terrible yeah. captain of the guard. Exactly, and this is really where we pop around to a bunch of different point of views. So now we're in Dorian's point of view, and he's heard of Kale and Adian being summoned, and he knows obviously that they have been working together. And he's like, "Now's the time. Got to get Sorsha out of here." Yeah. What the fuck? So he runs to her, but. Amity stops them and tells them that they have also been summoned. And then other guards is what I'm calling them because yeah. they take them as well. So then we go over to Adian's point of view and he and Kale are not shackled. So he's thinking like they have a chance to get out of this. Like they're not 
yeah. fucked already. Yeah. Well, they don't even know technically why they're being summoned. They just know they're being Ex- summoned. Exactly. So, like, they're not shackled, so it's like they're not gonna try and do anything until they know like what's going on. Yeah, like the king, if the king knows for certain that Adian and Kale have been working against him, they would just be in the dungeon right now. They wouldn't just be yeah, standing there. Yeah. So they have a chance. Uh, but the king tells this whole group of them, because they're all in the room now, that his spies have told him um, that Adian isn't actually going to the parties he's planning, and he's sneaking around. And for some reason, he's now friends with Kale. And that his son is dabbling with the rabble again. <laughs> well, like, sure. this is what I don't understand. Like, Kale, Dorian has never had, like, he's never been, I don't think his father has ever sort of put him on a, like, has made him only sleep with ladies. You know what I mean? Like, he's let him, like, playboy it and, like, dip his yes. dick wherever he wants to. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I, I don't it. understand why this, like, like, why think, is it I, pertinent in this moment? Like, who cares that he's sleeping with a healer? And he hasn't yeah. actually dipped his wick in, yet. In this particular <laughs> yeah. case. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Knowing what happens. Um, don't spoil it, Catherine! Don't spoil it. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because I think it's I think the reason, which you're like, how does the king know this? But the reason is because he's catching feelings. Like, that's the only reason the king cares. And the only other time that Dorian caught feelings was for Selena, who he's also calling rabble. And you're like, okay. Um, but yeah, Dorian basically objects immediately and says he doesn't want her to be a part of this and, like, let her go, basically. Yeah. Um... And he doesn't want her to stay here. And the king just agrees and then like snaps his fingers and his guards force her to her knees. And Adian and Kale just look to each other and Adian thinks like they will fight their way out of this. Um, Kale's point of view now and he knows he needs to save Sorsha and then Adian because like the king won't kill Dorian because that child. would be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, like, Dorian, he's giving himself too much to do. He has to save Sorsha and Adian, like, dude. Also, Adian Adian can save. Adian's better than you. Like, he can yeah. take care of let's, himself. Let's right-size this. Yeah. Um, can he, though? <laughs> um, anyway. Um, Dorian tells the king that he'll tell him anything, but the king asks him, like, why Kale and Adian have been meeting. And Dorian says he doesn't know. And I'm like, I get that Dorian's just, like, trying to save Sorsha. But, like, he doesn't know enough to be like, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. Like, he literally doesn't know much. Although he does know why they were meeting. He just isn't telling the king. Yeah. And you're like... Obviously the king has a bullshit dar radar. Yeah. Um, the king then tells Dorian and the group that there's been a spy in the castle for months and asks Dorian to tell him who it is. And Kale is like working up to say that it's him. But Adian speaks first and he says like, Kale, the reason they were hanging out is because Kale was blackmailing him to get information 
that his father would then be able to give to the king for a favor. Um, Genius. Yeah. And then he says that they can all burn because his queen is coming for them and he throws his ring, like, at the king. So he's, like, sacrificing himself in this moment to try and save everybody yes. else. Which, like, if they thought Adian was a dick before, like, I hope they eat their words right now because he is literally yes. saving the rest of them. So, like, fuck you, Kale. Kind of. Um, yes. <laughs> and Kale knows that Adian did this for him because Adian knows that Kaol and Aelin have a relationship and he thinks that like he is helping Adian thinks that he's helping Aelin by saving Kaol but Kaol's just there like she would have been much better off if Adian was around not me um yes which is true yeah Ugh. and the king then obviously has Adian shackled and says maybe he'll wait a month or so to execute him in case someone gets it in her mind to try to save him. And smart. Kale kind like, of- Like, it's very it's smart. It's so smart. So smart. Kale kind of wonders, like, if the king knows who she is type deal. Like, if it's- Like, what he actually knows. Yeah. Um, Then Dorian is just like- can you let Sorsha go, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the king is like, no, we can't release the true traitor. Bum, dun, bum, dun, bum. Dun. <laughs> we didn't even practice so, that. We did not. We're so good. <laughs> so we go over to Sorsha's point of view now. And the king tells her that her letters were very interesting. And Amity found one in the rubbish bin. What a dummy. Right. And we actually got the scene where she threw it in the rubbish bin. I think it was like one time when Dorian came around yeah. and she was like, oops, throw this out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you're such a moron because yeah. you're in love. Um, so Sorsha is kind of thinking like Dorian can still get out of this because he didn't know that she was a traitor. Um, and she tells the king that he has destroyed everything and he deserves what's to come. And then she tells Dorian that she loves him. And Dorian just, like, is begging his father to, like, exile her or banish her. But the king just says no. And then we jump over to Kale's point of view. Because Sorsha no longer has a point of view. Uh, Because at the king's no, one of the guards swings his sword and her head falls to the ground. Amazing. <laughs> Not actually amazing. It's terrible. <laughs> it and it I was surprised at how fast it all happened. Yeah. Um so obviously Dorian starts screaming, Avian starts roaring. Of course um, he's roaring. <laughs> right. Uh but the guards just take Avian away cuz they're like, no. And, um, yeah. And then Dorian is, like, scrambling to Sorsha. Um, Kale draws his- Do you think he's going his... for the head or the body? I know. I don't know. I think he'd go for the head and the bring it to the body? Oh. I don't I mean, know. like, he could fix it. Like, put it back together. I guess. It's bad. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Kale draws his sword and- the king just rolls his eyes, which is, like, so baller. <laughs> I'm like, damn. 
Um, but he just tells him, tells Kaol to go back to his father and not to leave the castle disgraced. But like, in all fairness, like, it would be nothing for the king to just kill Kale too. I know. And, and he's like, like just, letting him go. I know. And I'm like, Kale should have just fucking left. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. If he left at this point, it would be so much better. Yeah. But he does not, because he is finally standing up for Dorian and something he believes in now. Fuck. And like, cool, good job. Time and a place. This is the wrong time. You're making this worse. But Kale says he will not serve him. There's one true king and he is not on the throne. And he also mm. says there's a queen in the north who will beat him again. And what they like and what the two of them, the true king, which is Dorian, and Selena, Aelin, yeah, Aelin, we'll call her here. What they represent is what the king fears, basically. Like, they're going to defeat him, is basically what he's saying. Um, and then, of course, the king orders Kale's death and mm-hmm. a crossbow snaps. So he's going to die like this. He's dead, basically. Yes. Um, and some hidden guards approach. But Dorian plunges the room into ice and it freezes the bolt in the air and saves his life. How does a bolt get frozen in air? Midair frozen. Don't know. Love it. Um, so you're like, yay, but also this is bad. Uh, the king is not at all surprised that Dorian has magic and uses his magic (laughs) to push back at Dorian. And you're like, oh shit, the king also has magic. Cool. Um, Kale is just there stunned, but Dorian tells him to run and when he also tells Kale when he comes back to burn this place to the ground, because I guess Dorian thinks he's about to be murdered. Yeah. And he's doing his one last thing to save, because he thinks like magic is going to, like his father's going to kill him for having magic. Um, but then Crackling Black hurtles towards them from behind the throne. And this is like the king's power. It's like darkness and shit. <laughs> Um, but then light explodes from Dorian and they're all like fighting. Yeah. Um, and Kale kind of has a realization like this was a trap for all of them and they all fell in it. Like Adian came out as a traitor. Dorian showed his magic. Sorsha is dead and he's now got to run. He's like, well, we just fucked everything. Well, and Kale proved that like he wasn't loyal to the king. He's loyal to Dorian. So like they literally all fucked themselves. Yeah, which I don't think that was really a secret, but no. still, like they all they all fuck themselves over here. Um, Kale tells Dorian that he loves him, and then he runs. We jump over to Adian's point of view, and Adian thinks it was an easy choice to protect Kale for Aelin, and the castle starts shaking, and he assumes Dorian is helping Kale escape, and he thinks he's okay with dying. But he does wish he could have seen her just once. I love Adian. Um, Then we go over to Dorian's point of view. And the king's black power is overwhelming him. But all he can see is Sorsha dying. And it happened too fast. But, like, Kale had also called him his king. And he had to save Kale. Which is, like, I get that it all happened so fast. But it's almost like saying... He, he loves Kale more than Sorsha. I just don't 
I know mean, if that's really necessary. It, maybe it's not. Like, but it, I mean, it's it's also I can imagine it being true. They've been oh, best friends for yeah. like fifteen years. Yeah, for sure. Um, him and Sorcha didn't Dorian, even have sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dorian is also kind of just like, okay, well, the king's gonna kill me now. Yeah. But the king tells him he isn't going to kill his gifted son, and he pulls out a black collar, and the other guards hold him and put it on. And as they're like putting it on, he thinks of Roland and Caltaine and how much a ring can do. What is going to happen with this collar? Yeah. <clears throat> Which we know more about. So very scary, very bad. Um, we go, sorry, we go over to Kale's point of view again, and he is sprinting to Dorian's room, and he grabs Fleetfoot, which I just, I love. I, I love but it. But, like, he has to get the dog. I know. It's just, like, <laughs> I just love that he does it. Anyway, he grabs Fleetfoot and brings um, her to the passage off of Selena's room, where he's going to escape out of. He grabs Damaris, which is the sword that's in there, and he grabs some gold from this tomb. Genius. And he tells... Yeah, I know. So smart. He tells Mort where he'll be in case she comes back. He also grabs the bag of magic books and he opens the iron gates and he just is kind of like wondering if Dorian is even alive anymore. Um, he goes to Selena's apartment and Ren is there and he tells him what happened and Ren just says like they have to save Adian. Yeah. And then he asks about the woman that was beheaded and asks if she was a healer. And we figure out that this is his contact that he had in the castle. So KL and Ren kind of just realize that they're the only two people left in this rebellion now. And they agree that they need to save Adian and Dorian. So they're forming a truce here. We go to Manon's point of view and she is the wing leader, obviously. Um, she and half of the Iron Teeth are being sent to Morath tomorrow to serve the Duke, who we haven't seen at all this book. Um, but they're also to be ready to fly at a moment's notice and fight. Mm-hmm. Um, the other half of the Iron Teeth are going to stay where they are now at the Ferrying Gap under Iskra's order. Um, Manon asks what, obviously the matron is going to do but the matron is just like annoyed that she dared ask a question but says that she's going to be staying here but she'll be in Morath in the summer and she has work to finish here hmm. I wonder what kind interesting of i know so they haven't actually spoken since manon killed the crocken but she manon knows that next time it will be one of the 13 yeah if she disobeys or, like, shows heart again, she'll have to kill one of the 13. Um, so they leave her, the 13, and half of the Iron Teeth. And they fly at night so that they're on scene. Um, because, obviously, they don't want people to see their giant mounts yeah. and know their numbers. Um, and Astrin flies beside Manon and smiles. But Manon doesn't let herself enjoy it because they have work to do. And Manon was not born with a heart or a soul, and she doesn't need them. She needs to defeat the king's enemy and then take back their kingdom and go home at last. Hmm. You're like, you did so much work on yourself, and now we're back to this. 
But like, <laughs> but think about it though, is like, oh yeah, she she wasn't born with a heart or a soul, yet the only reason she's thinking this is because she doesn't want to hurt the thirteen. Like she doesn't yeah. want to hurt her buddies. Yeah. And like she wants to go home. Yeah. Like that's you do have a heart and a soul, Manon. Yeah, you want a home. Like, you want things. Like, you're not just evil incarnate. Anyway, so that's basically where we leave Manon for the book. Is she's like, I have yeah. no heart or soul. Um. Then we get a, a third party point of view. It was kind of just weird. I don't know why it had to be third party, but whatever. So a cloaked man <laughs> walks onto the docks in the slums and he pulls out a blade with an eagle pommel and he thinks of all it had embodied but he looks to the new blade he has a king's blade from a time when good men served and he would see that again he doesn't have a position position anymore and no title except for oathbreaker traitor and liar and then he throws the sword into the river and it's never to be seen again i just i don't know why it had to be third third person point of view like why it's 80 it, i'm sorry it's kale he's throwing his like sword his oh what's it called? yeah he's throwing his like captain of the guard sword into yeah into the river i guess yeah. because it's like he's shedding his his old life and becoming this like non-person Right? I guess. He's like becoming a shadow of a person because he's not, he's fallen from his position. Yeah. I just, it was, I don't know. I don't think, it was like one page too. I was like, this could have been in his point of view. He could have been like, yeah, I'll see this restored, throw this sword, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. I didn't write the book. Um, <laughs> didn't you? So that's where we leave him for the book and all of those points of view. So Sorsha is dead, Adian's locked up, Kale hates himself, and Dorian is basically fucked. Yeah. Uh, so then we go over to Selena. <laughs> she's having a tiny bit of a better time, I guess. Yeah. Um, but she's thinking, like, Rowan is not submissive at all with this blood oath. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, obviously, what did you expect? Yeah. He's very bossy, and, like, all of it is, like, for her own good. And I just love it. He's just like a mother hen. But they're basically arguing over her plan because she wants to return alone as Selena, not as Aelin, and do what she needs to do. But he thinks, like, it's basically a suicide mission. Which, sure. Um, because, like, even Selena didn't complete the mission that she was sent here for. Like, she didn't kill the Ash River yeah. king and prince, the royals. Selena kind of thinks like she had sent a warning to the Ash River King and to the Queen of Ilway about the King's threats on their lives. So like as Selena, if she didn't like do her missions, basically the King was like, I'll kill Nehemia, then I'll kill her parents and I'll kill her brother. So she has warned the Queen of Ilway that the King might yeah, do that. Might try and assassinate her. Yeah. She also thinks, like, she needs to talk to Kaol and end things. <laughs> My god. Um. Oh. And it was already ended before she left. I just, I feel like they dragged this out. 
and it was not necessary. Like, she tried to kill him and was like, you'll always be my enemy. I think that's enough of a breakup. I don't think she needs to go back and be like, hey, we're broken up. Yeah. Like, I think that was good enough. But she, she takes his ring off. So, like, she has processed the breakup. The breakup. And I thought he did too. But then next book, I feel like he doesn't have it processed at all. But anyway. Um, she basically is telling Rowan, like, he's too conspicuous to go with her. Like, he is Faye. Yeah. And if he goes as a hawk, he'll be stuck like a hawk because magic doesn't exist over there. So, like, he can't go with her. Which I think is fair. Yes. Um, she says she needs to stealthily get the key from Arabin and then go north. So that is her plan. She's going to go back to get the key and go north. Um... She then is going to call in every favor to Selena, to Aelin's family, to everyone, and then she is going to rattle the stars. And she promises to send for him soon and when the time is right. Rattle the stars is another like Yeah. It's significant. We get a lot of the a lot of the quotes that become like the famous quotes. We get a lot of them in this yeah. one. I know. Which is why it's probably like one of the it's the turning point in the series and one of the better books. Yeah. Um, she then asks him what he prayed to Mala for the morning before they saw Maeve. And he says he prayed for two things to ensure that she survived and then a selfish wish, a fool's hope. And then he just kind of thinks it came true. Aww. So he had wished that he could go with her and not be stuck to Maeve anymore. Um, and that moves her and also the fact that she's leaving him makes her sad so she is crying a bit and he wipes a tear from her cheek and says that mala thinks they like mala must think that they make a good pair and she throws herself at rowan gives him a hug Mm. and i'm like i just wish she threw herself at him in a different way but (laughs) um but she boards a a boat that night and they're put below deck so like the passengers don't know the route out of this reef um, but when she gets back on deck, there's just a hawk flying there and it swoops low to brush her cheek and then turns back with a cry. And you're like, Rowan knows the whole way now anyway. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, but she just thinks like she will get the word key from Arabin and she'll get the other word keys. She'll put them back in the gate, free magic and destroy the king no matter how long it takes. So like she's got a plan. Yeah. And then she thinks to herself, like, she is Aelin Ashriver Galathinius, queen of Terrison, heir of powerful bloodlines, and she will not be afraid. It's like when she was in Endovier and she was like, my name is Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. She's accepted that she's, she's Aelin. And now she's like, I'm not Selena, I'm Aelin Ashriver Galathinius. And it's good because now we won't have to fuck around with different names. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that's so it. I love it. I love that book. Big fan. We're done. Book three. Madness. Yeah. I love this series. I love this book. Um, I hate that. I hate. I understand why they had to separate, but I obviously hate it. Yeah. I feel like, well, I guess it kind of ends on a cliffhanger with Dorian and Adian. <laughs> But yeah, like I'm also like Adian's in jail, 
about gonna be executed. Dorian is being <laughs> invaded by a Valg prince. Like, but like I don't find it cliffhanger. Yeah, like I wouldn't have to like run out and read the next book, which is terrible. But it's because the only person I care about is Selena. Yeah, Aelin. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, um yeah. where does this rank? Like in the seven, I'm saying books. Where does this one rank for you? Um, I I think it might just be like descending order. So like my favorite is Kingdom of Ash, okay, and then Empire of Storms, right. and then Queen of Shadows, and then Air of Fire, right. and then Throne of Glass, and then Crown of Midnight. <laughs> I'm still, like, thinking in my head, what even happened in Crown of Midnight? Like, besides, like, Aelin, like, scratching up Kale's face. Selena at that point. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How was it a whole Time. Book? Time passed. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, this one ranks, like, I think around the same. Yeah. I just, I, I love, I love everything that happens after this, too. Yeah. So... I just, I know. like, Empire of Storms kills my soul. Kingdom of Ash also kills me. So, like... Yeah, it's, like, this is sort of, like, our turning point book, like you said. Like, this mm-hmm. is when the story starts to turn. So, like, people find that this series really slow to start. And, like, yeah. I sort of see what they mean. I, I disagree a little bit because I actually really like Throne of Glass, but, like... Yeah. When you read Throne of Glass, you never think that this is where the story is going to end up. Oh my god, no. Right? Like, like I was like, I was like, oh, this is just a standalone book. Like, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things where, it, like, if you can make it through, like, if Throne of Glass is not your thing, and if, I mean, Queen of Shadows isn't your thing, it's not hard. Crown of Midnight. Crown of Midnight, sorry. If Crown of Midnight is not your thing, like, this is where it gets, like, ooh, good. Yeah. Like, Jeff is reading them now, and he got through Throne of Glass, he got through Crown of Midnight, and then he started looking at Assassin's Blade, and I was like, I don't think you should read that one yet, because you're not going to like it. And then he took a break to read The Hunger Games, because he just wasn't in yet. But now he he's since read Air of Fire and um, Queen of Shadows, and now he's reading Assassin's Blade, which is a fucked up order, but, you know, we're doing what we can. (laughs) We're getting the books read. Um, But I think he finished that last night, so, like, he's getting into Empire of Storms now, and I'm like, oh my god! So exciting! Although so much happens in Queen of Shadows that I love, too. I love love Queen of Shadows so much. I don't even know why, really. I just really love it. I love... Well, I love that some of the characters we meet. Yeah. Especially a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I love, I love, I just love them being back and like handing people their asses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're going to wrap it up for this month. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in any of our episodes uh, or if you have any book suggestions please reach out to us by email at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com or you could check us out on Instagram, Facebook uh, not really Twitter anymore at coffeeandcoread or TikTok at coffee.coread uh, and do not forget 
for the uh, Spotify listeners to check out the poll that we've got on our Would You Rather this week. Yeah. Um, so next week is a whole new book. And <laughs> it's a, it's one that we both were like, I guess we should do this for the podcast. But then once we started reading, we just finished reading it. And now we have to read it again because <laughs> we got so hooked yeah, into it. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very, very popular book right now. It's all the and rage. And the second one is coming out soon. Yeah. So um, that's why we, if you haven't yeah, guessed already, it's <laughs> why we chose to do it for the month of October because the second book actually comes out in November. So yeah. And we're super pumped. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't guessed already, it's fourth wing by Rebecca Yaros. So we're excited. We are very excited. Um, but we're starting with chapters one to nine. So if you haven't read the book, perfect time to pick it up with us. Um, if you can find it, cause I know that is an issue sometimes yeah. too. Um, but Make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you get our content. And thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you on the next page.